OTB AM. It will be insane not to put Roy Keane on the Manchester United list. Jordan Henderson has been as important for Liverpool as Roy Keane has been for Manchester United. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Welcome to AM Friday morning. How are you getting on? I hope all is good. Adrian with you between now and 10 o'clock. Johnny Ward, good morning to you. Well, you like, you've literally just started uh, this show with this uh, notion in my head of the sound that uh, the pouring of a bottle of wine makes, and it's half seven. And it's and now I'm that? now I'm less. Yeah. Well, there's not really science, it's the air mixing with the wine. I also Absolutely really delicious. Oh, it's, oh, it's yourself. Oh, um, that 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 that's. I'm necessarily thinking of drinking wine at half seven in the morning now. Well, the the team were out last night in um, Rascals. Rascals Brewery in Inchicore. Um, highly recommend it. And Rascals has gotten on board our uh, our League of Ireland show this year, so I'll, I'll give them another plug. Know, but I do like. Know. I do. Uh, it's a great spot. Um, very good pizza. Uh, lovely uh, meat and cheese board. Um, a nice, obviously do an extremely um, diverse and interesting range of beers. Mm. Also do a very nice non-alcoholic uh, beer. Mm. Um, very good, very good experience all around. Colin feels like he's a little bit hungover. He's slightly distracted by something else that's going on. But that wouldn't, it wouldn't be the start of Friday's show, Johnny, if Colin wasn't paying attention. Of course, when you drink in Rascals, you don't get hungover after. It's that type of uh, kind of operation. So, Sessionable yeah. was, the, was uh, what Joe introduces last yeah. night. Um, the idea, I've never heard this expression before. Sessionable. Sessionable, as in you can drink a load of it. Yeah, I've, I found that doesn't necessarily work, um, but Joe may prove me wrong, but the non-alcoholic uh, craft beers are actually excellent. Right. Like, they really are. You wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference at times uh, in terms of uh, taste. Anyway. So there's a few of the team feeling a little bit sort of sorry for themselves this morning. I was doing a bit of zwifting yesterday, Johnny, which I sort of I realise now that I sort of throw it out there that you might be a bit snobbish about the idea of zwifting. Not at all. I, I haven't done it. No, no, I haven't. But uh, no, and people who don't know, it's basically being on the bike in your in your room or whatever, uh, rather than being outdoors. But no, my bike's in the uh, shop at the moment, so I'm waiting to get it back. Um, no, Zwift is brilliant. And like this morning, if you were to go out for a spin this morning, it's 36 kilometres an hour wind, not not ex- yeah, not very now. nice. Yeah, so. Swift it's an high. amazing um, thing to do, like 25, 30 minutes spin. It's, you don't have the whole rigmarole of having to sort of prepare yourself to go outside for the conditions and to dress for it and all that sort of stuff. You're, you're not just, going to crash either, yeah. you know. Was that mm, to suggest, to say that you're back in the game or he's yeah. back? Yeah, he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back on the bike. Anything to say about the first 10 minutes of the show? Uh, no, I'm totally fine today, by the way. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, well rested, good night, mm. Any scandal like any... Anything that's happened that shouldn't have happened. Or well, I was gone at half stuff. past eight in preparation, obviously, for the show this yeah. morning, so you're asking the wrong man here. Um, there was talk of Dan and JD repairing elsewhere afterwards. Dan was on oh, the really? dry last night, right. um, but I don't know, whatever happened there, was, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Find out at some point on the track. Mm. Um, we've loads coming for you between now and 10 o'clock this morning. We've uh, plenty of best to cover, and we'll do just that. And uh, do, by the way, keep your comments coming into us. We've lots to talk about. We're going to talk about... Um, Alan Quinlan is going to join us to pick us at 23. If everybody's fit from the Ireland team, um, who's the 23 for a certain World Cup match tomorrow, the bench is probably as much of a good a talking point as any. So we'll get into all that. We'll probably ask him a little bit about the stuff about the Aviva fans situation as well and whether they're not actually... Whose who's, who's phone is that? In the uh, words of Roy Keane. Is that you, is it? Do you want to just get that microphone changed? Would that be like the worst city in the world? You're thinking Has about the show that. actually started yet? Or are we just... Yeah, yeah, no, no, we're live. We're live, yeah. Um... 
anyway, the, Jerry Thornley was writing in the Irish Times, giving out about the fans and uh, the France game, and saying that they just weren't up to it. You were one of them, Jerry, sitting back enjoying yourself. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I, I read Jerry Thornley's piece in the Irish Times. I thought it was a really, really good piece um, because I c- you can completely relate to uh, what he's saying. I, if you watch back the Ireland games, say, I suppose the most handy thing to say is watch the Ireland games in the eighties in Lansdowne Road. Michael Kiernan's drop goal in eighty five. The noise level and the mm. I, I think there are a couple of things at play here. Ireland in those days was was pretty poor, um, and in terms of sports, it was an amazing achievement for Ireland in those days to like win a triple crown or beat England. And um, our, you know Ireland had, was really suffering at the time in terms of people emigrating, and I think sport was a real release. Um, and Lansdowne Road looks more like one of those kind of Soviet-like era grounds or whatever where a lot of people wearing like grey and brown clothes and whatever. Now Ireland is very wealthy. It's one of the wealthiest countries really in the world and we're also number one in the world in rugby. I think there's a little bit of complacency with that and I also think the like the like of me really shouldn't be at Ireland and France. I don't go to enough rugby games to be able to even get a ticket. There was a good moment in the game, I thought, which really summed it up for me. As much as it wasn't a bad atmosphere. I was I was at three rugby games last year and the just, atmosphere was terrible. Just before you go on to that, to tease out the point about you not being there, mm. I, my view is that that's bullshit. Like, you're absolutely entitled to be there. And also the thing is, right, that people get tickets for games where there's over 50,000 people at the game mm. or in an All-Ireland sense there's over 80,000 people there. There ain't 80,000 people going to McGrath Cup games or, mm-hmm. in the rugby sense, AIL games. So you can't fill stadiums with uh, hardcore rugby people. It's just not going to happen. Which isn't to say that there weren't hardcore rugby people who couldn't get tickets for the game. Totally accept that. Uh, and of course, at times, given that there's literally tens of thousands of people there, you're not going to be able to fill it with um, hardcore rugby fans across the board. So you have to accept that that's going... There, there's a bandwagon event element to big... Stadium yeah, games and there has to be if they're going to sell them out that's yeah, just the way it has to be yeah I, although I think in fairness with, with this game they could have sold it out and had nobody on the bandwagon because there's that much interest in it I, I mean, know, but they like, probably could have sold 150,000 know tickets I, it's not like what sort of a system could you bring in to ensure that there are 52,000 hardcore rugby people yeah, in, it just, yeah it's, it's not we don't live not, in an ideal world and, and, and neither is that right yeah yeah, I, 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 I get frustrated. Like if I, if I were at all the Galway games, we'll say leading up to an All Ireland final, and couldn't get a ticket, which has happened before. I remember the replay in two, was it two thousand? Um, that frustrates me. But with this, in fairness, like I, I paid good money for the tickets that I bought last year. It was the same for this game. It was one hundred thirty five quid for a ticket, so it was mm. two tickets for two hundred seventy quid. You are entitled um, to be there. So, the, the, but there the was like so the, the man. Rugby's interesting. You get like uh, you get a lot, a lot more women at the games. We'll say than League of Ireland games. So like for me, it's a completely different dynamic. There are a lot of couples there. It's kind of it's more of a an event, I guess, than like football, which is I don't know, still in a different place. But behind me, the guy was telling whoever the woman was with him. He was she he was explaining the rules to her as the game was going on. But just in, in front of me, I was down at the end where all the action was in the first half. James Lowe's try and all that, and Ireland got a, a line out about six six metres out and there were two uh, ladies in front of me and one of them was taking a photo of the line out um, and she was standing up for quite some time and there was a, a more elderly gentleman behind her who I think was there with his daughter and he was just like kind of prodded her on the back like would you get out of my way I actually can't see Ireland taking the mm. line out here because you're taking a photo and I'd say it took her about six or seven seconds to move. She just persisted, wouldn't move, barely looked him in the face, took the photo and then sat down and probably put it on Instagram. Um, she she may or may not have known what happened in the line out. But there is an element I've, of that. Um, I've, I've no problem with her taking the photograph and putting it on Instagram. 
and I, I, I accept the standing up bit is. Uh, but it's, no, take take photos. I, I took a couple of photos but with the break and play. Don't be obstructing someone's view. No, to no, get a bloody I, I, that, photo that's out totally of. fair. I had, Who cares I, about your photo? I had anyway. something something of a similar experience at the uh, All Ireland Club Final, the now infamous All Ireland Club Final, where there was um, a couple of friends in front of me. Um, they were they were watching the game. They were getting very carried away. They might have been mams of people involved. They were mm. certainly very passionate about it. Mm. And I was doing it any time the ball went down either end. They they their default setting was to stand up, and nobody else around them was standing up. Mm. So them standing up, if I so I either to choose, I'm not either not going to see the game, yeah, or I'm going to stand up, and then the people behind me are going to have to stand yeah. up. Yeah. So often I thought, oh, I'll, I just take, I'll just take the hit here. And that was very frustrating. So people do stand up for different reasons. I accept that this one, obviously, when they're taking... Albeit the uh, line-out is very um, photogenic It is, but take... Opportunity. Yeah, but don't block the fella behind That, is, but that is fair. The, but, the, but the one I, thing I, about I, was very, I was very tempted to... I was very... I was so close to going... Uh, would you just mind like could you just sit down because you're sort of ruining it for everybody else I'm, I'm frightful of the first time I'm on public transport and I'm, and I'm offered a seat right so hopefully that's a long way down <laughs> the line but that is one of those moments where if you if you're trying to say to the fella or the woman in front of you would you mind sitting down there you're edging towards that sort of territory well it's very it's very it's very hard to that not to turn into a bit of a conflict yeah no it is it is and in fairness like I, I you'll see this like a, a, a lot of football matches as well where people like and it's, it's creeping in in England where terraces are coming back and people like to stand at games but Jerry Thornley's one of his overall points was the difference in the atmosphere created by the French and the Irish mm. and unquestionably the decibel levels and the, the noise levels the, the moment I remember most in terms of the noise from that game was not an Irish try it was not the try being awarded to James Lowe it was not this or that it was the French break for their first try and the noise of the French fans beside me was unbelievable mm. I was like this, is, this feels like there, a football there was, game. but it did also feel like sorry I'm not offering a total counterpoint to what you're saying here I do accept there are certain elements of that it also seemed like there was a it was a lot of French people in the stadium. It, it, they seem to have done an Ireland on it. Like yeah, it anecdotally, and and uh, Jerry Tony again wrote about this. He's like, we we laud the Irish if they manage this. Oh, heroes! Oh, fair play, national you know. heroes! Like like giant send them up to the Irish when we, they come we back. We showed the Italians yeah. like it was supposed to be a sea exactly. of. Um, but there must have been anecdotally it felt like there were an awful lot of French people mm-hmm. there and uh, it was far better for the atmosphere like I, I, I the, as I mentioned the three games I was at last year I was like this is shite like yeah. this is really like this is like uh, must be like those Premier League games now where you get once a year day trippers who basically don't know how to create an atmosphere this was better but if Ireland and France isn't going to create an atmosphere nothing will mm-hmm. in Lansdowne like um, if you've just joined us, you're very welcome to uh, OTB AM, brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And he's only just walked into the studio. Colm, good morning to you. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Hi, Johnny. Great to see How you. Are you? It was great listening to you. to you. What an honour to be on. I think we're okay now. I don't know if you've been, if you paid any attention to what's going on. I have no. I was listening. I was listening away. And uh, anything to offer? It, it, well, I do. I was. Just, well, it's more going back to Johnny and his experience at the match because this is already becoming. What, what are we? Six days later, a regret that I wasn't at it because it sounded like it sounded like an incredible day at the stadium for such a monumental match but like did the the majority of the atmosphere for you come from the visiting French supporters oh yeah and it, it wasn't in terms of atmosphere this was not incredible at all like I go right. to League of Ireland games that have more atmosphere than 50,000 at a rugby game 100% like I was at Turner's Cross last year 6,000 people at it the noise is unbelievable it's not necessarily the amount of people there um, and <coughs> Ireland, Ireland against France uh, in Lanzarote Road in March is going to be a 
different gravy to this because it's mm. football and the football fan the atmosphere at Irish uh, games the Viva Stadium football versus uh, rugby is absolute chalk and cheese like but a, pa- cheese. a passionate rugby fan listening to you this morning who attends Ireland games at the Aviva will challenge that won't they that uh, your passionate rugby fan, fan will, will be passionate more passionate rugby fan will know I'm right on this because he or she will be saying like well I've been going to games for years and it's not the same look at Michael Kiernan's drop goal in 85 and compare it to anything now it's completely incomparable listen to the noise like and if you go to the Ireland-France game the place will be absolutely rocking I don't know what that is um, we can we can discuss we can discuss reasons for that but it'll be far better happens for there's no I, doubt I, 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 this isn't totally explained but I do think like the World Cup coming up everybody is very conscious of the Six Nations always feels like it's the pinnacle of the year right like yeah. particularly playing France at home it's that's probably that in England at home the pinnacle of the year particularly obviously for home fans who can't get to the away games this year it kind of feels like well, there's something else kind of bigger coming that does feed into it a little bit look at I'm not yeah. I'm not uh, for a second using that as a this is the reason why it's a little bit quieter. Uh, and the ticket, somebody somebody just pointed out here, uh, the contact was on YouTube, uh, Richard Redballs, come on to you, regular uh, viewer. The hardcore rugby fans have been priced out of rugby matches. The mm. prices of tickets are astonishing. And that is uh, that is a fair... Also I, I've heard that time and time again. That, um, I know a very, very like dyed-in-the-world rugby fan who's like, I'm not paying 135 quid to go yeah, to yeah. games. A couple of people he, and then you're... Whether or not he can afford it, I think he can afford it. He's just like objecting on the sense that I'm not paying that for a game. But the, the, the reason for me... If you if you put like say forty thousand regular uh, football attending people like so forty thousand League of Ireland fans or forty thousand people who go to games regularly put them in the Viva Stadium for an Ireland game they know what to do uh, at an Irish rugby game I'd say if you canvas how many like club rugby games you go to a year or how many even Munster or Leinster games you go to a year a lot of them are just day trippers like it's I've seen. been to plenty of uh, Ireland football matches by the way and you fall asleep at them there's, yeah. there's definitely it, now the singing section actually it helps changed just you Kenny. chatting there sort of it, it has it has that for some whatever reason it has actually if there yeah. was some sort of a hardcore section that you could have at the Aviva a la the singing section of the football that might actually sort of inspire everybody else because you're dependent on some lad like let's face it whenever the field uh, starts up some lad or lassie who's had 10 points in them and they're them and there are a couple of people around them have started the sing song absolutely and everybody else joins in yeah. And 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 I'm not suggesting in case anybody there if you is listening don't get the uh, PA to sort of lead the lead the charge here. That's let's not do that. But if you had some sort of an orchestrator, you know, like the uh, <coughs> England soccer, you know, the lads that go around with the bugles and they start. Yeah. Well, you see in the games in like being at games in Italy where there's a guy like who literally doesn't doesn't watch any of the game. He just faces the crowd and he orchestrates everything. Yeah. And it's like I mean mm. I've been I was at a I was at a preseason friendly in Istanbul, Galatasaray and Fiorentina. Holy crap! Like that was I was that was a friendly. I was like, and if you're get you're queuing to get on the tube, like you're literally taking your life into your hands because mm. the queue the tube is totally overcrowded. You could be pushed onto the track at any time, and you're like, this is a friendly, uh, and then you go to uh, an Irish rugby what game. What a shit like, that is, by the way. What's that? Not watching the game. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. You have, like to pay, the volunteers. you have to pay full price to come in and take yeah. away from the game. The they volunteers not be paying all you around that. the League of Ireland, uh, which, we'll, which we'll talk about. The volunteers all around the League of Ireland <laughs> who sell the I'm hot feeling, dogs. I have a feeling it's a topic we might come back 15 to. Minutes in, 15 minutes in, it's all over the papers. Look at this from the examiner this morning. We're coming Beautiful to it, we're coming to it, we're coming to it, we're coming to it. And nothing from Adrian yet. 15 we're minutes to, in, the League of Ireland has begun. And just because that loan It hasn't begun yet. I always think it's a bit sad when a stadium has a designated singing section. Mm. It's like that's where you can have your fun. But is it not either? No, I don't <laughs> so think it's. Sad. I don't think it's that where you can have your fun. I think it works. I think the Irish football uh, internationals are a brilliant case of how it works, because it inspires the rest of the stadium to. No, I think the involved. rest of the stadium observes. 
from huh? a distance. I think they observe the fun section from a distance. Ah, and some will be like, well, I, I'd be happy to be here. Some people will think about it. Other people, oh, I wish I was over there. But it does feel like it's, um, it's a separate fun area to the rest um, of the stadium. Edward Freeman says, most Irish football games are normally as quiet as a library. The only decent singing atmosphere uh, comes from the League of Ireland section. And uh, Tommy Tommy, who I guess is Tommy two times, um, the Aviva has uh, no build up to games look at the start of France Cardiff European clubs and football atmosphere and build up with lights music flames helps uh, make the fans get excited the Aviva is a bore I'm not sure about that because there is loads of stuff because in fact it was, I was sat behind for one of the November games it might have been the New Zealand match behind one of the you know the Havelock Square end that dips yeah. down and uh, so it was right behind the goal there and uh, they had the you know the, the flames go up yeah. and then you know when you're sat around the stadium you hear this like bit of a bang or whatever I was sat from like here to maybe twice as far away from you from uh, the bang and Jesus Christ it, uh, it nearly resulted yeah, in, that, a, in that a happening it was, uh, as well it was like Jesus <laughs> it was like whoa 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 um, what's happening there but the, 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 the kind of imposed music throughout the game I wouldn't be a fan of either but each throne I suppose yeah before yeah, yeah I'm not mad about that when it's blaring in but wasn't there talk at the, the tail end of the intercounty season last year that there was a lack of um, entertainment put on at Croke Park before during and after games and that we, we should be providing more to our audience, especially with the price of tickets now escalating. Mm-hmm. That it should be a whole day. Like, <clears throat> I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium back in August to watch the Wolves game. <clears throat> and it's like a festival there. It's like the football is a bonus. You go in and the quality of food and drink is phenomenal. You have food from all around the world. What stadium is that? That's cool. The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, right, okay. And, the, and then one side of the stadium, the whole way down is a bar. So it's the longest bar in Europe, Isn't as they very proudly say. Tottenham's biggest issue that the football <laughs> yeah, yeah, is such But also there was live music. There's a live band. Right. So then you're like, oh yeah, there's a match on as well. And then you go in and it's an absolutely incredible stadium that's both compact and somehow vast. So it feels like an incredible experience. And the way that it's designed, whoever the architect was, was brilliant because no matter where you are, it's atmospheric. You, you, mm. you can completely see that on TV. No matter where you are, it's atmospheric. Mm. But, and then afterwards, they encourage you to stay. So they want you to hang out in the oh, stadium right. afterwards. So you can that's stay there unique. for two or three hours. So that's exactly what happened that day. It was a lunchtime kickoff. That's a great idea. And then afterwards, it was like four or five of us and the bar stayed open and they were encouraging people to stay. Cool. And then you talk about the match with strangers. And um, There's a lot of comments coming in about that one and we, we'll come back to it. And then, uh, it it's a fire pit topic. Fire pit later the on. The best atmosphere you were ever in a stadium would be a good mm. conversation. Mm. I feel like, you know, Daddy, can we finally get the sweets now? I mean, it's nearly 20 the more minutes. You, the, the League more, of Ireland is returning As I said here. to my own come kids, on. the more you keep asking for them, yeah. <laughs> the less chance you the League of Ireland. That's um, it. No, no, we will. Uh, do keep the comments coming <laughs> in on the, uh, on the other side. Tommy it did, two, I mean, Tommy two times has gotten a mention. There's no mention of Cork, It did remind me that it was a year since your and Duffer had your little uh, ah, introduction Duffer what a man um, yeah he, he, second second album for Duffer now this season yeah. it, very very tricky for Shells to improve on last season if you ask me um, League of Ireland is I've never felt it to be in a better place in terms of quality in the pitch and anecdotally the crowds are up so much um, the LOI season pass is back I know they're very keen for people to get on board that it's great value for all the games you can get essentially watch any game at any time Um I'm going to I'm going to Inchicore tonight. I can't wait, and I know the decibel levels in Inchicore. There'll be nothing lacking there. Derry City in town. Um, yeah, I can't wait. It's it's great to be back. Yeah, there is a good buzz about it. Like there, obviously, a lot of names in at uh, the different at the various clubs. Um, 
at Lone being one, I think maybe Amazon one of the only ones where there isn't one single player uh, that have come in. But there's a lot of different names uh, that have come in from uh, different leagues. Uh, as you say, obviously, um, attendances are expected to be up. I think they're saying that's something during the week that we're talking about maybe it might pass the million mark. Yeah, future ticketing were saying that, uh, was saying that the... Uh, Season tickets are up about fifteen or twenty percent on last year, and that that's coming from a pretty good base. We we knock ourselves in this country about League of Ireland crowds, but we we think of it of it in the sense of England, where it's not uncommon that you'll have fifteen thousand at a League Two game. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Bradford or something like that. Most countries are not like England, and League of Ireland crowds are actually not that bad. Like mm. Dundalk is a town of say thirty five thousand people. Dundalk regularly get three, three or four thousand at their games. Sligo's a town of like, what is it, twenty thousand people? Sligo regularly get three thousand at their games. It's not actually bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and they're proper football towns, like. And uh, I'm delighted it's back. I think we're very hard on ourselves at times in this country in terms of League of Ireland, but um, I'm very proud of it. And I think uh, the standards are increasing all the time, despite the fact there's no prize money. Um, what do you mean we're hard on ourselves? Ah, uh, well, we'd, we'd be very. Uh, what do you think of the league? Like, you know, and if, 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 if it's, you know, the way the Irish Times is this like outsider to the parish piece where someone comes over from like, I don't know, Syria and she says, Ireland is amazing, people are very friendly, which you may or may not believe. In the League of Ireland, I think we're like, geez, if anything good is said about it, we, we feel great and we're, we're very, um, we feel that we're, I think we're insecure about the league. We feel that most people in the country don't follow us. Um, and we feel that, you know, certainly as a kid, when I started going to go United matches, I was widely mocked, partly because I went to League of Ireland matches, partly for other reasons. But I think you, you, you're trying to defend the league all the time. I'm beyond that stage now. I love the league. I love going to games. I think the, the atmosphere is good. I think the quality is good. And I don't need people to tell me otherwise. And anymore. at the same time, you're proud to be a League of Ireland fan. Are you frustrated that it's not followed more in this country? Or do, you, or do you understand it? No, but sure, it's not a representative league. Like, there's large parts of the country, like Turles, Monaghan, Cavan, Leash, uh, Mayo, like, loads of the country does not have a League of Ireland team. There's a large part of South Leinster into Munster that has no League of Ireland representation. Um, so it's it's hard, but like Kerry FC are, hopefully, uh, they are an outlier, but Kerry FC is an example of what might happen in proper Gaelic football heartland opening up a new chapter tonight and um, I wish them the best but we need more of that and uh, it's that's one of the problems the league isn't representative if you're from Ballyhonest or if you're from Clare Morris or if you're from Port Leash or if you're from uh, Clonus or if you're from you know all these other parts of the country who do you support? Well there's clubs within shooting distance of all of those towns that you name mm. I mean obviously you know a lot of League of Ireland clubs but like the idea of it's not as you said it's not under supported like it's yeah, a million actually, people across yeah, across the really whole season. There's not there's nothing to be there's no argument to say that it's not it's not supported or yeah certainly that thing of like the old chip on the shoulder about yeah. why don't people go to League of Ireland games like a million people across the season is yeah and we, we are hard enough and the, it's very good the other thing as well um, like it, I, I mean social media you can certainly um, moan about social media I think it's been unbelievable for the League of Ireland like RT showing games now or RT not showing games I think is almost irrelevant I really do social media has been free publicity and the clubs have through the the ingenuity of volunteers and through um, you know knowing what works have come up with amazing stuff and the buzz post-Covid is actually getting more and more it's incredible like Turner's Cross tonight to be sold out for the visit of Bowes the Cork City Returns League Colin Healy like what is it 7,000 at the game 
Yeah. It's not even a story hardly anymore. So it's it's um and I, I do think social media has been huge and I, I think the clubs have done massive, massive work considering there's almost no prize money uh, and you know they've they've had to do it all almost by themselves. Yeah, that'll be some game three to turn us across Cork City Bulls. Yeah. That'll be great out. Biggest attendance of the evening, I think. Yeah. Yeah. With with the lack of money uh, on offer, is there a ceiling for the League of Ireland that it will inevitably hit no matter how popular it gets? Because the ge- geographical imbalance that you illustrated is really interesting and you could compare that to hurling. You know, some parts yeah. of the country, it's just not that well supported. And but also, that's the greatest but then in Irish sport. Like. But then in other parts of the country, like you, hurling is by far the biggest sport in that area. Yeah. And for League of Ireland, for certain fans, it's League of Ireland or nothing. I didn't mention Kilkenny there. Kilkenny used to have a, Kilkenny have a lovely ground, Buckley Park. Um, Kilkenny doesn't have a, a football team anymore, partly because of that hurling. You know, they've been a joke with Gaelic football in Kilkenny, in my view. They've done nothing to promote it, but obviously the, the interest isn't there. And the, the, hurling, it, hurling has major issues with that. Hurling is the... One of the greatest Irish sporting scandals is how few counties play hurling. I think is it's probably well, the greatest a, field sport. There's a in the motion world. up at Liam Griffin. There's a motion up at Congress. Um, it's either coming up today or tomorrow to have every club to insist that every club has to field a team at underage level from sevens yeah. to tens or whatever it is. So that will, in ten, fifteen years' time, start to address that. Isn't the other elephant in the room though the point in terms of like the uh, ultimate sustainability of the league or perception of the league almost in some ways that like the best players are just going to leave. Yeah, the only thing is, like the Brexit. Brexit was one of the most stupid things. I think we can agree now. How it ever happened, but nobody thought about. Um, Richie Sunak in, I think, Northern Ireland today, trying to sell Brexit to the, the deal to the DUP. Yada yada. But nobody thought about the consequences of eighteen-year-olds not being able to go anymore. And this has been an absolute boon for Irish football, and it has really compelled us. It, for me, it was a national scandal that we had to like export all our kids. And watching the Chippy Brady documentary the other night, that it's normal for a thirteen-year-old, a thirteen-year-old, to go over to London because he couldn't play football in this country and people think oh, that's grand and even Chippy was saying well I was very very homesick initially Chippy was one of the most gifted footballers we ever had what about the other thousands and thousands who had to come back and had depression because they didn't make it in England they came back as failures and now finally we've we've put it upon ourselves that we need to bring these players through in this country we need to get our facilities in order and I think the government really does need to help us in that as well with the money it's taken from from betting and so forth could that not go into academies in this country but the the league's in a much much better place I think and the one thing I will say Adrian like when I started going to games as a kid I was about 15 the games were were shite generally they were not they were hard to watch they're actually not anymore I, I almost always enjoy unless Galway United are playing I always enjoy watching League of Ireland games now Pats and Derry tonight I know there's, I know there's going to be a lot of quality on show mm. um, and get to a game if you're um, if you're you know thinking like you make good point calling about the Spurs experience I think League of Ireland Terryland now has a bar end as well it does add to the to the occasion if you can go in and enjoy yourself and the facilities are better because there's still a lot of improvement needed there as well Rovers, Derry, Pats, Dundalk is that the order? I, I think like sometimes you, you make and I, I, I'm bluffing now on some of these like some of the players Pats and particularly Dundalk have gone and a, a lot of um, the clubs have had to go outside the Irish like circle and mm. they're bringing in players on loan from England and Scotland that's become a thing that all I don't know much about from all around Europe yeah. Norway, Denmark, Sweden mm. and it's it's like Ireland Ireland is so um, you know the, the whole Brexit situation I think we, we, we do look at, look upon it at times and there's a bit of a schadenfreude and we're thinking like oh, what, what were you doing over there but like in Ireland now we are the English speaking nation in the EU and it's an attractive place for a lot of players in the EU to play I think mm. as possibly a means to progress elsewhere but Generally, that that bit of insecurity I spoke about. The players who come over to the League of Ireland from anywhere else generally speak very highly of the standard. I, I mm. definitely think that's true. I don't think it's a problem that we export like, the best players. Not at all. Uh, like the Dutch league would be a 
great example of that. There's still quality there to enjoy. And like, you're, you're still producing this brilliant talent that you're setting. So it's actually beneficial to everyone. I don't think that's a problem. See, you're never going to be able to keep them here. Remember back in the 70s, yeah. you had George Best and Bobby Tamling coming yeah. over. Well, it's just, what was happening the there? The point like, is the that like, just, there, an excitement builds up around, you know, like an Evan Ferguson type. I mean, look, that's a, maybe a unicorn example to, to a big degree. But like, He's players, a good example, though, because if he moves on from Brighton, by all accounts, Bowes are going to make a No, but you know what I mean? Like, in terms of like an excitement builds up around a player that, that He's gonna go. ultimately... They're good enough, and that excitement continues. They are going to leave. That's the that is the sort of elephant in the room. Most football clubs are like that, though, because most football clubs will have to sell their best players because somebody better will yeah. come in. So there's an element of that. Like I don't mind that. I I don't mind that. I think our relationship with British football is is kind of becoming a bit mutually beneficial. Where a lot of players are coming over from Britain to get experience here, and if you can have the trickle down economics of the Evan Ferguson situation, which I think is good, if we do develop players here, St Kevin's and Bowes will benefit from Evan Ferguson. Hopefully, leaving Brighton for Real Madrid for six hundred million mm. or something like that, mm. and that money trickles down to the League of Ireland. And I got to give Bowes a mention as well. What they've done with um, the Palestinian connection yesterday in terms of that away jersey, I think, is just. Beautiful, um, and I know Bowes get a lot of slagging for their woke stuff off the pitch. So I think they're an absolute example to everyone what they do. Just want to pick out two comments here in this conversation. Shane, there on YouTube, more of an atmosphere at League of Ireland game than five hundred or five thousand to ten thousand people that a packed Aviva at the rugby. And that's exactly what you were saying, Johnny. That you have better atmospheres at yeah, League yeah. of Ireland games. Yeah. Another one, Dara Morrissey too. And this actually reminded me of my own experience. Big League of Ireland fan here. Best atmosphere I experience is regularly in Germany. Hamburg has amazing beer and food well under €10. Euro. Always helps. Back to St. Pauli in March. I went to an 1860 Munich game on a stag. What an atmosphere. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. I'd say the stadium was, at best, half full. Didn't matter. The atmosphere was incredible. I went to a her- uh, on my own stag, Hertha Berlin against Bayern in the Olympic Stadium. Yeah. And I uh, look at obviously two your own, massive clubs. Was I on my own? Yeah. At the stag do? On my own stag yeah, do. Yeah. I wasn't on my own, but it was my <laughs> own stag do. It was November. I think it was November and it was bloody cold. Berlin's a great city. December. Uh, unbelievable atmosphere, like absolute yeah. cracker. Fred friend of mine went to the Berlin Derby recently, ah, right. just a couple of weeks ago and it's absolutely phenomenal. When the dog were playing Carabag in, in um, Baku, like they moved it to a ground where I think there were like 6,000 at it. Unbelievable atmosphere. Like you don't need, you don't need 50,000 people to make noise. Mm. Like, um, are you done now? Could we, like, will we leave the League of Ireland there? Like, Alan Quinlan's Alan Quinlan's on, on later on, exactly. Alan, Alan Quinlan's a football man, how, but he's a good we, example. How he's a temporary we, uh, man. Thurlis Town don't exist anymore. He how can we segue? You mentioned before the show about segueing the League of Ireland stuff. Yeah. Have we done it now? Are you happy Most enough segue. that we've done it? Do you, do you feel you, we need to go back to the League of Ireland? I'll go back time I'll, and time again. And I'll, I'll, there's another question I, I have that we haven't okay, got yeah, to. Go no, but I, I think we can no, say no, I'll throw it out there. No, I just think the League of Ireland needs to create an identity in terms of how they play football in order for it to create a niche in the market because otherwise it's just another small league in Europe. Is there something that the League of Ireland can do to help itself stand out to other leagues and therefore people living here but like, actually, this is a great league that I should be watching as a priority, not just every so often. How, when was the last League of Ireland game you went to? Uh, I went to the season before last. Rovers were down at Turner's Cross. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking, but then again, that circumstance, I just don't go back to Cork as much as I used to, and I haven't gone up to a game here. Tempted to go to a Bulls game up here, but yeah. no, do you know what? And yeah, I'm a good example of it. Yeah, yeah. If you go to a game, you'll you'll find that the vast majority of teams play on the ground now. It's totally different to what I watch it when it's on yeah. TV, I, yeah. and I watch it as you say on social. No problem at all. You can go to see Jack Byrne. You can go to see um, you know Graham Burke. You can go to see uh, Patrick McElhenney. You can go to see Will Patching. You can go to see Chris Forrester. Um, I regularly do, and uh, I never feel like oh, I want to. 
also it's not the Premier League it's not it's not we'll talk to you know we'll talk with Man United today and potential Qatari owners potential Saudi owners it's it's not that and I think we, we can celebrate it for that as well mm. he's saying shut up come go to a game no, no, no! It's no, just, no, it's, it's not that. It's um, no. That's what Johnny's saying to you. That's he's, he's saying. No, no, I don't he's, he's so. saying they don't need anything else. No. They have everything they need. You go to a game. I think in terms of identity, no. in terms of the standard, we don't need um, we, we, the, the, the the young coaches coming through. I think they're nearly all committed to playing football, um, and a lot of them are deep thinkers about the game. And I get slagged about this, but we have some really interesting young managers, Damien Duff among them, um, who are all trying to outdo each other and are all trying to get ideas from <laughs> you know different yeah. parts of the world and. Uh, Long, long way we have the League of Ireland is all I'll say. There you go, Adrian. That's our League of Ireland slot for today, Johnny. Good stuff. <laughs> for this year, if you uh, were on the show. Yeah, total. 8 o'clock, OTVAM, brought fair. to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. What are you saying? That's a fair comment. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. But we've done 20 minutes on it now, and that's enough that's for any slot. Here's what's coming <laughs> up between now and 10 this morning. I know uh, why there's no one Daniel Harris is standing by. <laughs> that would be really sad. Uh, to talk all things uh, Manchester United, particularly after last I went night. to my own ownership, side. Uh, coming up as well. Alan Quinnan is going to pick his, if every Irish player was fit, team uh, halfway-ish in the Six Nations if every Irish player was fit who would the 23 be and I think that would be an interesting chat including for the bench Sports News called Milani at about 20 to 10 this morning Jess Kelly is going to join us in the studio and she's got a brand new bit of kit uh, from PlayStation to talk about its assisted reality but not as you know it Jess coming your way at 10 to 9 this morning we'll have our Friday fire pit which has become a staple now I mean I think it's three weeks old <laughs> staple. absolutely fine and Declan Bogue from the show last night can, at half can past I, nine. one very quick thing um, speaking of stags yeah. of, uh, friend who shall remain nameless Kevin um, <laughs> he's trying to organise a stag and I had one stag to organise and we ended up going to Gorn and then to Kilkenny afterwards and that was like, to Gorn Park like. Gorn, yeah Gorn Park in like November Kilkenny afterwards standard enough but the reason we did that was because my original plan wasn't available at that time for whatever reason and you as a local man this is what I'm trying to sell to Kevin because I haven't done it I love to do it the Shannon Cruise is a stag oh yeah gotta now, be done in, uh, in inherent danger there of course in any Manny. cruise on a stag yeah like you're on a boat yeah, that, John Duggan fell into the canal in uh, Amsterdam. That was the 21st. I got involved there. JD's gotten a lot of mentions already this morning. Has he, yeah? Yeah. I missed yeah. the first one, I'd say. Yeah. Right. Well, yes or no, anyway? What? Yes or no? Are you, asking, you, invite me, you invite me on the... On the yeah, you, you what, what is the Shannon Cruise? It's the thing at Carrick and Shannon where you go for you go out in a boat at like midnight. So you're from Athlone. It's like literally on the Shannon. So it's like you, you get on the boat and you stop off in various... It's just a cruise, which is a stag. <laughs> but, yeah, and apparently they, they give you the boat like, right, off you go. Oh, yeah, I, you I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be going near that in a stag, do. Well, there you That's go. That's absolute, like... There you go. That's no. why you were on your own and your. <laughs> I'd say Daniel Harris loves a good steak. Good man, Colin. Uh, just the Europa League uh, playoff first leg course last night for the place in the last 16 on the line. Manchester United 2, Barcelona uh, 2. Daniel Harris, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. I'm sorry for delaying you there with chat about stag do's on uh, cruising stag Best stag do you've been at, Daniel? Oh my gosh. My best stag? I've been on some good ones. Um, I've had two myself. Um, <laughs> I love them so much. I had to get divorced. When it's the third. So that, so that I could have a second stag. Um, I cried on my second stag twice. Wow. With Just with overstimulation, I think. Um, what happened? What, it was in Blackpool, which is a phenomenally unusual place. And um, they had this ride. It was one of those where it kind of... 
takes you very high on this thing and it drops you down or up. I think it drops you down. That's so you have that sensation of uh, swallowing parts of your body. And it had been a rather hectic evening before, shall we say. And I didn't want to do this ride, but obviously I knew it had to be done. So we did it. And then I remember saying to the mate that I happened to be sitting next to, uh, am I crying? And he said, yeah, you are. I said, oh, that's interesting. And then later on that day, um, there was this, I had a, a shot of something, like there was a tray of shots. There was one shot that looked unusual. I don't know why, but I decided to drink that one. And it was a shot of Insanity Sauce, it's called which is just the hottest product known to mankind. Now, I eat a lot of hot food. I guess it's that. Part of it is the fact that my wife is British Ghanaian. They eat a lot of hot food. Part of it is my particular preoccupation with trying to turn everything into some kind of buzz, even eating. So (laughs) I am used to hot food, so it wasn't that it was hot. But drinking a shot of this insanity sauce was a whole body experience. I don't really know what to say. It's Dan, the key hard. is in the name there, you know? Yeah, yeah I guess it is. But just a little bit of it will blow your head off and I drunk an entire shot of it. And that also had me crying, not with distress, just overstimulation again, I think, where something about it was just this cold, enveloping, full body full brain experience and uh again i found myself saying oh i'm crying again so yeah that is that was one of my stags we've had a lot of booze references for uh, a friday at like eight in the morning but there was too many some would say including our producer (laughs) (laughs) uh right we'll segue into other roller coaster rides daniel how about that is that a a fair enough i'm having that i'm having that so um from united fans point of view obviously been burned so much over the last uh, 10 years I suppose you're sort of guarding against false dawns but another big performance at a big team last night and you really feel as if this team I mean I don't know if they've landed but they're certainly maturing at a rate of knots yeah they're getting there aren't they um, I think that what was really enjoyable about this performance it wasn't that they're that good because they're not that good yet and Barcelona aren't that good yet but I would say that this is the first time since 1998, November 1998, where United have gone away to Barcelona or Madrid and properly taken it to them. In 2008, United were the best team in the world and they played Barcelona in the semi-final of the Champions League and they went to Nou Camp in the first leg and they sat back and they didn't have to do that. Barcelona weren't that good then. They were good, but they weren't that good. United were good enough to go to Barcelona, engage them in a proper game of football like this one, and beat them. But they didn't. They missed a penalty very early on, and they spent the rest of the game sitting back. Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney was uh, basically played as an auxiliary right back. And talking of, talking of talking about drinking early on a Friday morning, I would say that's probably the most drunk I've ever been at a football match. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, is Wayne I, Rooney I really not, right back? I would, I would. It's true though. I promise you, that is true. Um, even and I was about to say, even then I knew that the way United were playing wasn't right that night. <laughs> but Fergie, Fergie, after they got done by um, by Real Madrid on the counter in 2000, he became much more circumspect in Europe. And I think it sort of naturally happens when managers get older because it happened to Wenger as well. They just they're starting to think about legacy, and that persuades them to be a little bit more conservative. Sometimes it definitely happened to Fergie that he was desperate to win another Champions League. 
So he had a brilliant defence at that point. So he started to be a little bit more conservative. Although, to his credit, he wasn't in the final. They properly went for it in the final. And I guess we're, we're lucky not to lose the final in the end. But they should have finished the final in the first half of that game because they, they played really well. But anyway, it didn't work out like that. But they went to Barcelona this time and they took it to them. And I think results are always important. It's a we're often told this a results business, but I think at this point in this team's development, I was I said that on here last week. I thought I was quite pleased United drew drew Barcelona because I thought having to go away to the new camp and play a knockout tie against them was a really good staging post in the development in this team. And so I think that although results are always the key thing, going there playing like this and drawing is worth more in the long term than going there sitting back and scrounging a win like they did that time under Ole in Paris. And the thing that we now know about Tenach is that it doesn't matter who the opposition are, in every single game that United play under him, they will try and take it to the opposition, they'll try and put it on them and they'll try and win. And it hasn't been like that since the turn of the century. We were on a, like a team out last night, uh, team night out last night, Daniel, and we were... Uh, uh-huh, so that's chat. why we're talking about yeah, this. Exactly, the game was on sort of, not quite in the background. Actually, it's nothing to do with that, actually. Why was I NFI? Huh? I was NFI. I, 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 so what again? was that? I was NFI. It's what? an abbreviation of words that I can't ah, use. Ah, sorry, okay. Somebody has just given <laughs> translation to Daniel. First, the N stands for not and the I stands for invited. This, this is another uh, another Brexit <laughs> issue here. We need we need a translator. <laughs> NFI, not. Couldn't get the we'll, paper. We'll have, you, invited. We'll, we'll have you over the next one, right? So, come here. We were sitting there and we were chatting away. There was a conversation that happened just to my left and I wasn't fully tuned into it. But I did at some point hear one of uh, our colleagues saying, um, you know, but... and." Because you know United are you're still in contention for the title, and I could I turn around my my instinct was what the, are you talking about? No chance. Um, but I mean, you sprinkle in a bit of Martinez and a bit of Eriksson into that team last night. They are. I mean, I don't know if they're title contenders still. Maybe to do with the quality of those above them, but um, they are getting there. If you sprinkle in some of the players that are out at the minute, they're 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 they're, they're not far off the teams that are above them, and. This isn't. This is going to sound like if my aunt, if my if if my auntie had etc., mm. he'd be my uncle. But if they'd have won the first two games, they'd be banging the title race. Their form since those first two games is up there with the teams that are in the title race. And it just it took Tanach two games to have a look. And since that point, United they beat Liverpool in the third game. And since that game, they have been they've been they've been improving, 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 and the level they're at now is not that far off the teams that are above them. Um, it may be that they're not as good as City yet. We'll see, I guess, what happens over the next three months. Um, and City's performance against United, even though United weren't that good yet and didn't have Casemiro, the City's performance against United in the 6-3 is by far the best performance has been in the Premier League this season, I would say. And I don't know if United are quite capable of playing that well yet. But you can see very much they're getting there. Defence is good, although they conceded two goals last night. Um, one was from a corner. Doesn't mean that it doesn't count, but their defence and the second goal was one that you look at it and you think, was there actually a way of stopping that? And there probably wasn't. So they defended They defended some good players pretty well last night. And as you saw, they made a lot of chances. And so you talk about putting Martinez and Eriksen in there. I think that actually what the ideal thing that happens this summer is they sign a midfielder who has some similar qualities to Ericsson, but is faster and stronger. And they sign a striker 
then you're talking about what should be a very serious football team. And speed with which Ten Hag has made this happen makes it makes him look very good indeed. I mean, he's got he's got the team believing in him, and he's got results that on the pitch that show very quickly that if you listen to him, things will work well. And there's clearly a great atmosphere about the club, a great atmosphere about the team, good competition for places, and t- players are still improving. What 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 the 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 Rashford goal I thought was was fascinating because a uh, you know there are a lot of aspects to this and you can blame the keeper but for me I think nine times out of ten the keeper's expecting um, Rashford to go the other side. Fred got I'm just looking at uh, what are we here at the Daily Telegraph. Fred got nine. Um, where is Fred at the moment? <laughs> where is Fred at the moment as, you, as a Man United player? Not nine. <laughs> um, I mean it was strange from Fred actually because. I tweeted that in, during the first half that he was having a Leeds home, not Leeds away, because he was he was good last week at Leeds away, and he was absolutely shocking Leeds at home. But then he gave away the goal quite near the beginning of the first half. Not, I mean, it wasn't just his; wasn't the only error, but it was an egregious error he made, standing there flapping his arms while Araujo scored. But he was excellent after that. And the thing about Fred, someone said on Twitter that made me laugh is. He's a disruptor. You know that he'll disrupt the midfield, but you're not sure if it will be your midfield, <laughs> or, the other te- or the other team's midfield. And I think, I think, and I, and I responded, and I said, the thing about Fred is that um, if he is playing his best and the worst player in the team, then you can have a player like him and mm. still be really good. The problem is when he's not the worst player in the team and he's not playing at his best level, then he is. Mm. He can be a very significant problem for your team. But he has some good attributes. He's just the most careless footballer I've ever seen in possession. And he's capable of doing some very good stuff. You've Look at his pass that... for the goal. Look at his pass for the goal. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, 100%. He can do some really good stuff. And he's got some. He's got Brazilian flair and Brazilian touch sometimes. <laughs> and other times, other times he has my flair. And he... And he's able to get wrong some very straightforward things. But his, his pass to the, the Rashford's goal was excellent. And you asked about the finish. I think you do have to blame the keeper because the only place that Rashford could score was where he did score. And it was a brilliant finish. The way that he was able to thread the ball through that space, but also the way that he jammed his foot behind the ball to kind of make it fizz. But... If the goalkeeper is another half a foot over, because he thinks mm. he's covering that space mm. and he isn't, mm. and it's not that he showed Rashford that space thinking he couldn't hit it, he thought that he was making sure that space was unavailable. And if he's half a foot over, that space isn't available, and it hits his foot, and, and he saves it. But it was still, it was still a brilliant finish. I, I think. The, and, the, the, I mean, it's at that point with Marcus Rashford where it's almost like at the beginning of his career, yeah. where the things—not that he's as good, like he's much better now. Just the way things started to happen for him, scoring twice in your, on your debut, scoring twice on your second game in your league debut, scoring on your England debut, and you're kind of scoring an amazing winner in your first derby. And you're kind of standing there at the game thinking, is this guy for real? Like, yeah, how he's... is all this stuff happening to this guy like this? Because life isn't like this. I, I think, and he's sort yeah. of that player again now where he's just scoring in every single game. Great goals, strikers' goals, tap-ins, headers, runs, drives, and you're just kind of thinking, mm. is is this guy for real? Or how? And the question, like the run won't go on like this. It can't go on like this forever. 
But the challenge now is this is your top level. You need to make it your base level. You need to be playing like this all the time. And then if he does, he'll be one of the the best players around and go on to have an unbelievable career. He needs to make sure this isn't a streak. And the way that the team's developing around him, because that's something massive that's changed. I forget about everything Rashford's done. He's playing with better players than he's ever played with, who are playing better than they've ever played with in all the time he's been at United. And that gives him a really good base to go on to be the player that... I think that a lot of us always knew he should be because will, will that all career the raw be, materials were there. Will that career be at Man United? Uh, I mean, it looks that way. He's had opportunities to leave before when things were going badly and he didn't. And I think that there was times when you felt quite guilty as a United supporter watching Rashford because you knew that... the I, don't, the, I always compared him in my mind to Raheem Sterling because there were just two... Boys who I guess I really like, really loved as blokes who were playing in the same city, playing in similar positions. And I always felt that Rashford had the better, better natural talent, but Raheem Sterling was smashing his career because he was playing under a better manager and playing in a better team. And now Rashford's playing in a good team under what appears to be a brilliant manager. And we're seeing that all that talent that he has is just. Is just right there for him. My, yeah, my, my one concern, Dan, for Rashford would be we, we've seen that he's prone to, um, well, I guess what you would call a dramatic lack of confidence last season. And the, the, the schedule of games is so tough. And you're saying he has to produce this all the time. The schedule of games is so tough. If he does go through a blip in form, which is entirely logical given how many games they're playing, that'll be my small concern because this guy is like, he's totally unrecognisable from last year. It's unbelievable the transformation. He was amazing last night. Yeah, but I guess he's not. It's not that different from the player we saw before last season. Yeah. So last season feels like a very specific circumstance, and that United were in an absolutely awful state that it seems unlikely they can get into again under Tenach. And I think the thing with Rashford personally is there appears to have been stuff going on that we don't know about. He mm. hasn't talked about it in any detail, and it's none of our business. So I'm not, and I'm not going to speculate as mm. to what might have been going on. But it feels like what did go on with him had stuff to do with stuff that had nothing to do with football. And it's fair to say that perhaps that could happen to him again. But in a football sense, footballistically, as Arsene Wenger would say, it feels like the circumstances around what happened to him previously are unlikely to recur. And when I say he has to play like this all the time, I don't mean he has to score in every game. And But what I mean is that his bottom level needs to come up and his modal level needs to come up. Those are the two things that define the greatest players. Not what your best level is, because every player has a best level that they hit sometimes and they look unplayable. It's how are you how are you play all the time? What is the level you hit most often? And what is your what is your bottom level? And the best players I've ever seen are the players who had the highest bottom level. Roy Keane, Brian Robson were eight, seven or eight out of ten in pretty much every game. You never even really saw them hit a six. And that's why they're the best players. It's not because they occasionally hit a 10. It's, mm. it, it's that. And Rashford needs to raise that bottom level. So what, I'm, what I mean is that he, he's not, he won't always play like he played last night. But because he has such rich raw materials that he's got... And, and, made, and so he, if he stays fit, he's got... They're very, the only player I've seen able to keep up with Rashford when he's running with the ball is Reese James, who is another amazing player, but incidentally... Mm. Um, so he's he's got that pace. So if he's got the confidence, and the confidence will go up, just the natural confidence, because he knows now how good he can be. And he knows now that he can score goals on a regular like this. 
So the, the confidence that he'll now have to elevate and sustain and perpetuate this kind of form is significant. And the thing with Rashford now is that you say there are a lot of games and there are, and it is a concern for United that they could play extra time on Thursday and then, have, then they'll have to play a final on Sunday. That could also go to extra time. It's only really Rashford and Bruno Fernandes that have played loads. I mean, Casemiro's had four games off the suspension. Um, the defenders have all had time off. So it's only really those two. And the thing with Rashford at the moment is playing so well, you want to keep playing him. Tenach will have to manage will have to manage his, his game time at some point, probably. Not so that he doesn't get injured, probably, but just so that when the games when the bigger games come at the end of the season, if United are still involved in any of them, because I guess the League Cup's over next week, whatever happens, this competition could be over next week as well, that that he's still able to keep hitting these this this level at the end of the season. He's not exhausted. I think that there are other goals in the team, although he's sort of taken responsibility for scoring them. There are quite a few other players in the team that can score. And you would think that next season there will be another forward coming in. I think the question now for Ten Hag is, is he going to go and try and find the best centre forward that he can, whatever money it costs? Or is he going to decide that actually Rashford can be that centre forward and that money might get spent somewhere else because... United have got Jaden Sancho and uh, Garnacho, and uh, Alejandro Garnacho who can play on the left wing. They've got Anthony who can play on the right wing, and they've also got Pelistri who looks a player, and Diallo who's had a brilliant loan at Sunderland. One of those two can understudy Anthony, and then actually maybe you use Rashford through the middle, and the striker that you then need becomes doesn't have to go and become a hundred like Victor or Seaman for hundred and forty million quid, and you can spend that money on other areas of the team. But that's the question now for me with Rashford. Um, what's going to be his position. And I'm amazed that I'm even talking about the fact that he could be a centre-forward, but the, it does look now like maybe he could be a full-time centre-forward. Yeah, at Arsenal, possibly. Um, <laughs> we we will see how contract talks. Uh, he has been linked with Arsenal. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be OK. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about Casemiro, and we've got about a minute here, but um, Paul Scholes on BT last night uh, said that he was the best player he's seen in that position since Roy Keane, which I had to pause, rewind, play it again. Quite uh, <laughs> Quite a dollop of praise. Yeah, I mean, I bet he'd be good on a stag. But um, <laughs> there's, what I love about Casemiro, aside, is he's brought proper personality and security to this team because the players know that he knows what he's doing. And it's the same with when, you, when you've then got Varane behind him. Those two in particular, it's, they, bring real, they bring authority and personality to the team because the other players know that they know what is required to win and to be good. So when they look around and they see those two there, it gives them a sense of well-being. And... As a midfield player, he, he's got everything. I mean, I, we, I, it's a weird thing because we've all been watching Casemiro for so long, watching him be brilliant. But I still feel like I'm learning about how brilliant he is. And it's not that I thought he was just a bloke who sits and kicks people when necessary. Fernandinho, basically. And I don't say that as any kind of disrespect. Fernandinho is a brilliant player. Someone who knows exactly when to foul, is really good at fouling, who, who just makes sure that the team has a structure and can go about its attacking business. It's I knew he could attack a bit as well, but it's it's the drive I think that he's the drive. He, he he drives the team. He drives the team forward, and he is the single player. Although I think still Bruno San- Bruno Fernandez is the soul of the team. The single player that they could ill afford to lose, that they could least afford to lose, is Casemiro because they don't have any kind of replacement for him. We've seen the difference when he's not there. And there are other players beside Bruno Fernandes who can make goals happen, but there's no one probably in the world who can do what Casemiro does. And 
I don't think he's as good a passer as Roy Keane was, and he's not now as quick as Roy Keane was either. But he he gives the team that level of personality and security where the other players look around, they see him there, they watch what he does, and they know that everything's going to be all right. Yeah, that's a good note to leave it on. Daniel, thanks a million. It's been emotional. Yes, thanks a million. Have, has, have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs> you too. Cheers. Daniel Harris on the line there, uh, talking all things United. Interesting times there. We didn't get to talk about Jaden Sancho, who um, feels like uh, Rashford sort of 12 months ago, and whether that will come mm. right, but we'll have plenty of time to do that. And Saudi's joining the race to buy them as well. Yeah, the ownership uh, race, of course, as well, uh, that heats up the deadline. Soft deadline, it's been described as 10pm tonight, by which... Uh, the Saudi Arabia Investment Fund, who own Newcastle, Qatar, who own PSG, um, the Ratcliffe, who owns Ineos, mm. and Elon Musk. Uh, I mean, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how serious probably that sack is. Rashford in the Monday morning, judging by his Twitter um, behaviour. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. It's soft deadline, 10 o'clock tonight. That generally means uh, you need a bit more time to see whether you're going to invest your five billion or not. We can extend it out a little bit. So see all that pans out. 25 past eight, loads to come. We've Jess Kelly going to drop in a little bit to talk to us about uh, assisted reality and the latest offering from uh, PlayStation on that front. A lighter set, it seems, is probably one of the main selling points around that. We'll have our Friday fire pit as well, where we've a few things in the mixer to get through. And uh, Carl, I think, will be in the studio in a little bit as well to bring us up to speed with all the very latest in the world of uh, live sport and you are watching of course OTPM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we have uh, loads of comments coming in as well so we're going to come to those and Quinny after these OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar 27 minutes past 8, you're watching OTBM. It's myself and Johnny with you until 10 o'clock. A lot of people wondering about if there's a crappy quiz or not. I believe there is. Are you hosting or no? No, you won't be hosting because you're no. not PM duty. But feel, oh, it looks oh, like you've, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. It looks like you've been offended by the fact that there's a crappy quiz happening now and you're not involved. Yeah, um, I, I found my niche in terms of like kind of somewhat amusing ineptitude. But uh, no, no, I, I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm on the AM shift today and I'm gonna. I'm probably going to go back to bed, to be honest, after yeah. this. Yeah. You should be contestant on it someday. I, I have been. I'm utterly awful. Like, yeah, but, I'm so bad. I completely I mean, froze. I'm really, really that's bad. That's my role, Johnny. I don't, yeah. need, I don't have anybody else taking that role. General knowledge, if, 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 if it's general knowledge and I can look at my phone for the answer, I'm not bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> general knowledge and I can Google it. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in Alan Quinn and Stag, though, now. Like, 28 minutes past eight. Quinny, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How lot, are you? Good. A lot to get to here. We've uh, tight burn news, obviously, as well, that we'll touch on. But one thing we did want to do, a bit of a stock take, I think. We're a couple of... Get- Halfway-ish is how I'm describing this. Um, and we've obviously been talking a little bit about the depth that we've managed to build over the last while. But we've tasked you with selecting a 23. In Ireland 23, let's say it's a World Cup match tomorrow. Everybody is fit. I think the bench might be as much of a talking point as anywhere here. But that's the task. You jump in wherever you want. Yeah, you're always getting me into trouble with tasking me with these kind of things with with players individually. Um, yeah, look, uh, obviously they've done incredibly well so far, and um, you know the, the first two wins have been outstanding. If you were picking an Irish team in the morning, it probably close enough to picks picks itself. Um, Hugo Keane, fullback, Mac Hansen, Gary Ringrose. Um, if Robbie Henshaw's available, he goes in at twelve. Uh, James Lowe, Johnny Sexton, Jamison Gibson Park. So t- t- stop, pre- press pause there now. And like even in terms of the midfield, Quinny, right? Like, I mean, um, McCluskey's obviously put his hand up in a big way um, over the last couple of games. 
And this is a side, if it was a World Cup match tomorrow, that's what you're picking. Correct. Everyone's fit and available, right? Okay, just to clarify that. final there for a minute, I think. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we won't, we won't mention that, that situation, Johnny. It'll come back to bite us. Um, yeah, the midfield, obviously you have Bundy Aki and, and um, Stuart McCluskey. Stuart McCluskey's done very well. He's uh, transitioned in there seamlessly and um, he's been superb. And it's great to see because... I think, you know, he's he's not a young player anymore and he's kind of been on the fringes for a couple of years, but he's proved that he can play at this level and perform very well at this level and he's got um, very good strengths there. But, you know, if if there's a fit Robbie Henshaw um, and if you're picking a Lions team in the morning, you know, he's in the conversation every time. Is there a bit of close. pressure on him, Quinny, now though? Is that the slight difference here that he's he's obviously known as been a big leader in that team as you say when he's fit he's always in seems like he's back in training probably won't be risked for the Italy game but may come in after that but suddenly is he watching everything going on over the last few weeks thinking Jesus my place is not guaranteed here in a way that it might be once was yeah I think of course he'll be thinking that way but um, he'll be confident enough to know that um, you know if he hits hits his targets regards fitness and conditioning that um, you know he, he'll get opportunities there He's he's just a brilliant player I think he's so fit, um, really important part of what the way Ireland are playing as well. So um, you're splitting hairs with some of these selections, uh, and that's the good thing that's happened now, Adrian. That you know we're we're in a World Cup year, six months out from a World Cup, um, and there's a lot of uh, strength and depth in certain positions. And I think that's the thing Andy Farrell has been pleased about, where some players have stepped up. But you know, Bundyaki could go step in there as a twelve as well. You know. I think if Gary Ringrose is injured, that probably he's a, he's a significant loss in the sense that there's the way he's been playing and the balance and the the, the, the defensive work he can do and his attacking ability in those wider channels um, would be there's no like for like for Gary Ringrose at the moment. Well, um, well, you mentioned Keenan. Just we, I think we spoke about this on Monday as well. Um, with Jerry, if if he were. If he were injured, like what would happen? But where does he stand at the moment in terms of Irish fullbacks that have played for Ireland? Um, it's very early, and you know you don't compare people, Johnny, until they're a couple of years in or coming towards the end of their career, maybe. But on the basis of what we've seen, um, I think Hugo Keane has started twenty-eight or twenty-nine of thirty-two tests or something like that. Maybe thirty tests um, in in the last the. Uh, the last 32 tests Ireland have played, he's started most of them. Um, so he's been wonderful. He's such a brilliant balanced player. I think his temperament is really good. So uh, what we're seeing and what we're hearing other people say, and I, I quoted Will Greenwood two weeks ago saying that this guy is world class. Um, he'd be on a world team, a player team of the year if he, you know, you've got to listen to someone like that who's played in the back line and who's who's achieved a lot in the game and, and Will Green with one World Cups and um that's what people that's the way people look at Hugo Keenan now, not just Irish people. We can obviously you can be blinkered sometimes, but people are saying he's world class. So if you're getting that kind those kind of accolades and credit at the moment, um he has to be right up there. He's he's all round game is superb. It's just wonderful. There's a there's there's no great, there's no weakness there that you can kind of get jumps out at you. Um, so, yeah, I think he's uh, 
he could be one of the best we ever had at full back. Yeah, do you know, you, you're so reluctant to sort of go there because you're mm. com- comparing areas or whatever. But I mean, I think obviously just given what's gone before, it's we're it's, we're headed that way. Did you go for Low and Hanson on the wings? Yeah, I think James Low has been incredible since he's since he had that those defensive issues two years ago. And I love the fact, and he's a great example for any young player who starts out in Test rugby or even. European rugby are playing with one of the provinces and you have you make a couple of mistakes and you get um, criticised publicly um, he's a great example of how you can respond you can go away same in GA in soccer and any sport um, it's difficult sometimes um, you know you, you have to learn the pace and the tempo of inter- international of that high level and he went away worked on his game and he's been he's been outstanding for Ireland, you know, his defensive work. And I think the, the intercept try over in Wales um shows that his positioning has improved a huge amount. He was always never gonna shirk a tackle, but it was just his positioning at times. So yeah, James Lowe has been wonderful and that left boot is brilliant as well. Mac Hansen on the right wing, and I think, you know, he's his footballing ability and, and his attacking sense has added so much to this Irish backline as well. He's been brilliant. Um, you sort of forget injury and, and various other bits and pieces. Keith Earls and Andrew Conway. Yeah, Andrew Conway has, has been out for so long. It's, an, it's so unfortunate. And obviously Keith Earls has been such a brilliant player for Ireland for such a long time. And, um, you know, unfortunately for for those guys, you know, it's 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 these these other players, these other wingers are, are after coming through, and they're they're after taking over that mantle, and it's hard to shift them now because, as I said, their their all round game is just so so good. Um, Jordan Larmer's come back in in the mix, which is brilliant to see, and I'd love to see him getting an opportunity maybe against Italy. I don't know if it'll happen. Jimmy, Jimmy O'Brien is. Jimmy O'Brien has been absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and Stockdale like sort of squeezing his way back into the mix. Like in terms of making a World Cup squad, Quinny, even I mean, like those names we've mentioned, and he's obviously a bit of a leaning towards a bit of experience when you look at Omani and Murray, and those they're not gambles, but you know selections have certainly paid off for him. But in terms of World Cup squad, even the likes of Earls and Conway under a bit of pressure, it seems. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult for him. You think? Keith Earls was uh, due to go back to and play with Munster this week. I think he picked. I, I think he picked up a, a a small injury and he misses the game against Osprey tonight. So that's unfortunate. You want to remind the the selectors when you come back from Irish camp. Something I had to do a fair bit myself when you're training with the squad and you're you're released back to your province. You've got to go out and play and show and give them a reminder. And he can't do that tonight. Um, Andrew Conway's been so unfortunate with the injuries. He's. He he got to that level of comfortable at international level and making a real impact. And unfortunately, he's had a dreadful time with his knee. So he's he's it's going to be difficult for them, really difficult. And and the likes of Jimmy O'Brien and Jordan Armour have been playing so well. And you imagine they'll they'll be involved in big games towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, Conway, one of the most underrated players, I think, uh, over the last seven eight years uh, from an Irish context. Take us up front, Quinny. Again, jump in wherever you want. There's no great surprises here. You can split hairs with some of them. Um, Andrew Porter, Dan Sheehan, Tyke Furlong. If you look at the Dan she- the hooker position, Dan Sheehan or Ronan Kelleher, um, we're blessed that we have players of that calibre. You think Rory, Rory Best was, was there for so long, over 100 caps for Ireland. He was a captain. And um, 
Rob Herring obviously has been very, very good as well. But I think Sheehan, Sheehan and Kelleher have just unbelievable finds for Ireland and for Leinster. They're so young as well. You imagine they're going to be there for a long time. Um, What's the Herring probably, shortcoming versus the other two? Um, he's not physically as big. And that's probably, <laughs> that's probably uh, the other two are just freakishly strong and big and um, powerful. And I think they're, they're ball carriers. They can make more impact with the ball as well. Rob Herring, you know, Rob Herring started against France last week and there was no one. The only concern would be that a little bit of size maybe and the scrum was a worry with, with Ty Furlong out, which he had Finlay Bealham and Rob Herring there. And you think you, you're nervous about that. It worked out brilliantly. And, and both of those guys, um, you know, obviously Rob Herring went off and we didn't get to see a lot of him, but... You know he's come off the bench in New Zealand the last last summer and was was outstanding as well. So the depth there is pretty good. Mm. Um, Sheehan probably starts because you know Ronan Kelher obviously was the starting hooker a year and a half or a year ago. He picked up a couple of injuries. He was brought in that Lions tour with with Warren Gatland as well um, as cover, but highly thought of two two brilliant players and and of course tight four on a tight head. There's, there's no real you could split. You could flip a coin between yeah. Sheehan and, and Kelleher and James, we're very lucky there. James Tracy was with us yesterday, the just retired uh, Leinster front row course and he went he flipped the coin slightly the other way. And I think that's probably that's the point, as you say, we're uh, Yeah, well you could start you could start Ronan Kelleher and 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 bring Dan Sheehan off the bench and mm-hmm. say this Dan Sheehan is there there's I don't know if there's any hooker in the world like Dan Sheehan who can run like a winger. He's so quick, he scores a lot of tries out in the wider channel, particularly for Leinster. He's tapping goals. He's scoring tries for. It's just it's it's incredible. He's freakishly athletic and so good with the ball in hand and so quick. So is this the best um, we've been serving that area? Like um, in in terms of the depth that you're talking about as well. Yeah, well, I, when I played Johnny um, Rory Best um, and and Jerry Flannery were there and Frankie Sheen. I just think back at the 2007 World Cup and I think that those three hookers were were exceptionally good um, and. You know any of the three of them going in there? Um, Rory Best and, and and Jerry Flannery had kind of jumped ahead of Frankie, but um, I think it is at the moment. I just don't. Think, I think for any team in the world to have two players of the caliber of of um, of of Sheehan and Kelleher, it's it's exceptional. I think for a couple of years England have had Jamie George and and Cowan Dickey, and you want players coming off the bench that you go, wow, this. Get him on, and he's going to do something different. And it's not normally you talk about hookers doing that, but with these guys, you you do because you know they can affect, um, have a massive effect in the game, and they're so comfortable and strong and physical at this level. We've always like even going back to years, Kieran Fitzgerald, mm. Woody. We need to mention Woody, of course. Um, we've been decently well served. Talk to us about footballers as well, like you know, yeah, you know, they can play a bit. Like you look at the try, the even the Keenan try as well, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask at the end, like you know, just in terms of we, we'll get, we we'll get to that, but like, where are the flaws in this actual squad as well? Like, where press where, pause on yeah. that for a second while you take us into the second row, Quinny. Yeah, James Ryan, Tyburn. I think um, you ideally, um, and Johnny kind of just hinted at us. There's flaws, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Just depth in some areas. This is an area that. Um, Tyburn is obviously out for 12 weeks now so the natural inclination here would we better pick the team first James Ryan, Tyburn and uh, that's who you know who started and they've been so good in the last 12 months in that position um, 
both of them. James Ryan is just back to having big moments throughout, constant moments throughout uh, the, the, the old games and his work rate is through the roof. He looks strong and physical again. He's had a few injuries himself and you just think back to the way he started his international career in 2018. Um, he had some crazy stat that he hadn't lost a game between Leinster and Ireland for up on 20, 25 matches or something. It was crazy. Um, his first loss uh, was, was away in Australia, I think, in the first tests uh, for Ireland. But that whole season, um, you know, winning a Grand Slam and, and a real leader as well, James Ryan. That, so that second ca- half, that tackle, I can't remember who it was on. I think it was from maybe, it was actually an Ireland kickoff or whatever. It was like the ball is hit down the field and this massive Irish press and he like barrels into a lad about five yard, five metres off the line. And you're like, it was, I guess, Quinny as well, for like the amount of HIAs he's had and the amount of like setbacks he's had, it's just great to see him have a run of games. Yeah, it is. And look, the way the HIA system has gone, Johnny, I, I think um, it, they're, they're being picked up so often. I think some people ask me, um, you know, is there more of them now in the game? There's not. Mm. They're just all being picked up now and mm. players are being stood down, which is a good thing. So James Ryan has certainly had a few. Um, but yeah, that just sums up his conditioning and the fitness. And it's a hallmark of this team um, that they're really fit and well conditioned. Um I think we're going to get. I just I'm nervous about talking, go doing this piece because it just means Ireland are brilliant. Ireland are brilliant. That we're saying that um, on the evidence of what we've seen and anybody else who's who's seen it outside of Ireland, um, they deserve to get credit. And and we're probably trying to pick holes and in depth and and why they've been so good. One of the big factors is is they're 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 unbelievably fit. And James Ryan looks to have a real spring in his step again and he's been really constant, consistent in in, in, in his performances. So, you know, you're starting James Ryan and Ty Bourne. The front row, uh, as I said, probably picks itself. The back row, Caelan mm. Doris, um, Josh van der Fleer and Peter O'Mahony are the ones that on paper now you would start him. I think some, some would, could, could argue and say, well, um, you know, would you put Ty Bourne in the back row? Would you bring in Ian Henderson in the second row? Would you bring in um, other players like Baird, Ryan Baird yeah. or Joe McCarthy or something like that? And, and I don't think you need to. I think Peter O'Mahony's work rate, um, he doesn't have the same amount of carries as as Caelan Doris or Josh van der Fleer, but that's not his game. I think... Um, sometimes you hear this unseen work. It's very much seen to me and, and people who are watching it closely. There's, there was a couple of breakdowns last week that Peter Manny is first, second man there and really affecting those breakdowns. And they're big things in the game as well. So he's he's not this natural carrier who's going to have 20 carries a game. Um, sometimes he's played and I've, I've, we've thought, yeah, he needs to get his hands on the ball a little bit more. But his big strength is obviously his line-out work, his breakdown work, and 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 the advantage of having uh, a real leader and a bit of bit of dog. Really, he's he's confrontational. You think of people love the fact that um, you know he stood toe to toe with Sam Kane last year, and um, at times against New Zealand, he was really kind of aggressive and in their faces and kind of creating a a kind of an attitude that we're not going to take a backward step here. We're not going to be intimidated. So he's very important from that point of view. Um, Jack Conan obviously is, has, you know, had an incredible hive start being line starter two years ago and he's impacted off the bench a couple of times so far. Um, but I think, you know, that's, that's probably the, 
the 15 players that you're starting what's the, the I, t- I felt the bench might be the create the biggest talking point so who have you got um, again it's it's difficult and, and, and things may change come the World Cup so if Dan Sheehan is starting Ronan Keller is, is on the bench um, Keane Healy um, again we've got to see him when he comes back from injury I think Dave Kucoyne has done really well and looks looks in really good shape since he's come back from a neck injury um, which is obviously not the best injury to have as a prop where you lose a lot of strength and power as well and he's he's um, had a real good impact since he's come back so you, you, it's difficult there it's probably Keen Healy and experience but he's got to come back and show that he's conditioned he's uh, Finley Bielham at Titus um, who's done brilliantly You've got to, he deserves massive credit Um Ian Henderson, Jack Conan. If you're picking it now, I yeah. think you're going with Henderson, Jack Conan as your second row, back row option. Um, this is where it gets tricky, you know. If you're, and obviously you have you have other options there, like Ryan Baird and Joe McCarthy that could easily sit in the bench if they finish strong with Leinster. I just keep thinking that Ryan Baird is someone who's getting closer and closer and closer to being either on the bench or possibly even a starter for Ireland. Wow. Um, he, could, he could start for, for against Italy. I just think the way he's played with Leinster this year, his athleticism is just freakish again. He's another one of these guys who just has an en- incredible engine and so skillful and quick for a, a second row, stroke back row. Um, so he, he, he could easily come into the mix. Ga- Gavin Coombs obviously needs a strong finish for the season. These are just possibilities. Picking them now, it's it's Henderson, Conan. Um, if Andy Farrell is picking a scrum half at the moment, who do you think he's picking? Well, is he the, picking I, Craig, this Craig, is Craig, a, the nub of the issue. I mean, go on. I'm, 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 want, I'm not giving you my answer. Go on. Um, well, with the te- if Gibson Park is starting, I think it's is is. Um, I think the way it's gone now, it's Conor Murray. Yeah. Um, no. Because he's he's done unbelievably well to get back and show what he can do. How has that happened, Cody? Like, how is that, how is this transformation happened with him? Um, I don't know, Johnny. Sometimes it's a mental thing. You, you you know yourself in sport. We we all have dips and we all have time where we cert, other certain other things. You get a bit weary. He's been around for so long, um, and you get a kind of a recharge, if you like, or or um, a setback and. Um, I think obviously not being the 23 for Munster versus Northampton post Christmas um, I was really interested to hear and it didn't surprise me that you know he would have, he was an incredibly positive influence around the Munster camp that week didn't drop the head didn't sulk and it's a sign of, of someone who's um, has a really good attitude and even you know I'm not sure um, everybody would be like that, you know. You get dropped, and you could. It's easy to kind of sulk or be really upset and disappointed. I think that's what came out, kept coming out of the monster camp. He was incredibly positive all week, which is brilliant to hear. You, you hope that that's the situation. So I don't know. I think he's obviously had an incredibly tough week last week with his dad, um, but I think it's just belief and confidence in yourself, and and sometimes chatting to a sports psychologist and actually really remember and realising what you're still good at and what, what got you there in the first place. I think Conor Murray's game has been stifled by the way Munster were playing in the last few years. Um, 
just constantly kicking. Um, not constantly, look, kicking a lot. Um, the attack, the structure. Like, I remember when Conor Murray, and I know he was a young player, he played, I played for two seasons with him. He was there training with us. He was the most creative, energetic runner that you could see in, in a game of touch and even in warm-up. He, this guy was just bouncing around the field, making line breaks. Um, so, Conor Murray can run with the ball. He can break. But I just think when you do something that's, when you don't do something for so long and you're not used to doing that, I think his game has suffered a little bit. And the game has moved on to just attack, attack, attack and getting the ball away and moving. So I think he was being stifled. But So it's a mental thing, long, long answer. But I think mentally maybe, and he's keeping himself in good condition. So Craig Casey has obviously been superb. And I thought last week coming off the bench, uh, the zip and the pace to his his passing was really impressive. So that's twenty one, you know, Quinny. I think you've twenty two shirts, twenty two and twenty three to fill. Yeah, well, Ross Bourne has grabbed the the the, the out half Burks now on the bench. Yeah. You know, and and coming off the bench, it doesn't need much explanation there. Twenty three. Um, if you, I'm going Bondiaki, um because of the serious impact he can bring, and plus you can you can shuffle around your backline as well. Gary Ringrose can go to the wing. Um, Robbie Henshaw um, obviously can go out to 13 you could bring Bundyaki on you could argue that a Jimmy O'Brien or a Jordan Larmer or, or, or you know if Stuart McCluskey is on the bench it's kind of like for like so well you need you nearly I, need a specialised midfield for the reason that you're saying there don't you it can't nearly yeah get, you, you do can you, can, you can you can make you can make it work a little bit easier with the winger you can e- not easily, but you can push centres out onto the wing, and I think Gary Ringrose could be really comfortable there um, if one of the wingers got injured. But um, you could bring a Jimmy O'Brien in, and he can play centre as well. Yeah. Um, and he did that against Australia. So um, no, no great surprises in any of that. I think the bench can can filter on, and I think we may see some changes to the bench um, for definite. Come 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 the World Cup. There will be, and there'll be injuries and there'll be all sorts going on, but uh, appreciate you putting your neck on the on the line there on that one, Quinny. Just one before we let you away, um, Malachi Fakato, the news from Munster during the week that he's leaving and uh, the speculation then started straight away, well, this is clearing the way now, Bundyaki is going to make the trip south, but in the meantime, they've announced the uh, Murray All Blacks and Chief Centre, Alex Nankival, so that looks to be um, Bundyaki staying put, potentially. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Um, obviously, those rumours had started and um, Malachi Fekitoa hasn't worked. They've made a decision. Both sides maybe have made a decision. I don't know. Um, he hasn't played a lot. It's a pity because we saw so um, uh, some qu- the quality that he possesses um, in, in recent times, which is good to see. He starts tonight again. Um, but... Yeah, they've gone for and signed Alex Nankaville, who's who's a very good player. He's played with the Chiefs for for a number of years. He's a couple of Maori caps. You said he was on that tour and that New Zealand selected played Ireland um, in November and uh, came off the bench. Uh, he's a big fella. He's over around hundred kilos and and six foot two. So there's a there's a fair bit of skill and kind of um, evasion in his game. So they've obviously done their done their homework but you never know with overseas players you know he could be a real gem and he might not hit the heights that they they want um and not necessarily sometimes when you look you think when you're signing players from New Zealand and he's a marquee player now 
Um, he, as he got to have played for the All Blacks, but you just think of Rua Tapoki, the impact he had, Maffey and Munster, um, and they hadn't got got played for for the All Blacks. So hopefully this guy can um, can make an impact. Um, I've watched him and looked at him a couple of times, and he looks a real player. Right. Well, we're way over, but well worth it. We'll come back to Johnny's question another day about the flaws. Uh, Quinny, fair play. Thanks, Melian. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Come on, Alan Quinlan and all things uh, rugby there. Really interesting stuff about uh, where this whole thing stacks up. Inevitably, there'll be a million injuries. There'll be all but... Uh, the de- the depth is... I was uh, asking another day, are the players like happier playing under Andy Farrell? Is there more of a sort of a freedom than there was under Schmidt? They yeah, just seem a very happy cam now. I think the, the backroom team as well. Um, yeah, it's it's it's... I think we're very quick to... Uh, th- sorry, that is absolutely seems to be the case that mm. uh, everybody you speak to on or off the record, it does seem to be a happier camp. There's not the like maybe fear or certainly tenseness anyway that I think yeah. existed around performance levels. Look at it; we were delighted when he was here. We were delighted to have him. He was delivering sort of grand slams. It was like obviously he did amazing things at Leinster, and you wouldn't want to be um, papering over all that stuff and pretending that. Mm. that level of success didn't happen I do think it does seem to be it's, it's it, by all accounts very uh, happy camp and they're fun but to watch got the balance of been a happy camp yeah. fun to watch getting results for now and number one in the world let's see what happens let's see what happens over the next few months without getting uh, crazy carried away with ourselves uh, five to nine Jess Kelly good morning yeah, are we going straight to you how are you getting on <laughs> A little bit of music. Got a sting there and all. Yeah. How are you getting on? I'm all right. How are you? Flying it, yeah. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> You've got some one stuff time. Here, right? This is our first stuff. time on air, and a, he's already busted up. A sister. I've read the brief. A sister reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PlayStation have brought out a brand new thing. It's lighter than the other thing. Professional broadcaster here. No Joe Malloy, I'll tell you that here. Pop this on. All right, we're Beautiful assistant. Where, we? Well, it's not going to it's not going to play a game because I don't want you to puke on air because I'm not that mean. I appreciate the sentiment of that. Just stick this on, yeah. Just stick it on, yeah. So this is the new PlayStation VR 2. Uh, this is the new headset that we spoke about with Jaron Chain a few weeks ago. It's been hotly anticipated. The first iteration of it came out a number of years ago, back in 2016. Yeah, it's and no, that's definitely not going to fit me. Is there a way to like? Um, yeah, you turn the dial on the back. That's what I would have thought. But then, oh, you push it in and then do you? There we go. This is going so well. <laughs> it's like one of my the kids' uh, bicycle helmets. There we go. Is this were a sponsored segment. It's never happened. Yeah, look at perfect. Perfect. Oh, there we go. What a Beautiful. pro! Wow. Um, it's just dark. So it's a new version, and not only have they changed the design, but they've also changed the tech inside. So as you'll see. <laughs> you look like Wally the robot. Uh, the idea is I can't see anything, of yeah. The idea is that it's a lighter headset, so it's not going to be as cumbersome on your neck. But also, you'll notice, Adrian, you only have one big cable coming out of the headset, okay. uh, and before on the previous version, you had multiple cables, and so it just meant felt like you were being tied yeah. to your PS4 as it was back then. Now with the PS5, it's just one cable that plugs in to the system. Then you've got your in-ears uh, that dangle down from the headset. And the beauty of this is the tech that is built into it. So you now have two OLED panels, one for each eye. So the quality of the content that you're seeing is incredible. Uh, the, there's motion sensor technology built in. What I really like about this is that there are four sort of patches on the frame of the device that allows you to see your surroundings. So when you're putting that headset on, 
say if you're in your living room, for example, it is important to have a bit of spatial awareness mm. because the games are so good that you kind of get lost in it a little bit. Yeah. You kind of forget, okay, well, the coffee table's here and the couch is here because you could be spun around and all of a sudden lose your bearings entirely. There's some great stuff on TikTok and all of that if you want to go... Uh, go uh, well, I was thinking next week I might bring the whole kit and caboodle in and we Please might do that. see I'm how many of your bones we can 100% break. 100% up for that. Okay, cool. Uh, these are the most... When you say there's, there's panels in terms of allowing the spatial awareness, what do you mean? So on the side, so when you put the headset on, the first thing you see are lenses that are essentially like glasses and that allows you to see the content. But then almost on the, fr- like the edges of the frames of my glasses, for example, there will be little... Uh, patches that appear uh, black and white so I could see say my laptop okay. and I could see this box in black and white to be aware that there are things around me. That's very useful. Now saying that I was playing, there's a great game called uh, Kayak VR Mirage I was kayaking around the world uh, in Leopardstown and didn't I break a glass because you get so lost in it and you lose track of yourself a little bit. You definitely bit. want to be sober doing this. I know we've had a lot of booze references in the show but you definitely want to be sober. There's a I lot going say, on yeah. here. You would want yeah. to yeah and the other thing is so these are the, the controllers that you have in your hands and they've changed the design of it it's so much better it's very ergonomic so it just feels natural you can press all your buttons and it gives you similar dexterity in a game to what you would have in real life I still found though after playing for around 40 minutes it made me a bit nauseous in the previous iteration it was around 15 minutes or so and then you wanted to get sick I got around to like 40 minutes or so was a long time in a game anyway but I, I don't know necessarily that it is for the long term wearer Is there nearly a, like a workout aspect to it as well 100% it? Yeah. You, like, and this isn't and the reason I want to do the demo with the full set with you next week is because you do look like a fool and it's very <laughs> don't difficult don't you help in that regard no Jess, you don't well, I said that to the lads outside a second <laughs> ago but um, you do look bananas because you are you know when you're playing games if you've got a bow and arrow you're moving your hands as if you've got a bow and arrow or if you're boxing you're moving as if you're boxing someone and it's it's very immersive it's a, definitely a workout and the other thing that this headset ha- has is you know the haptic feedback that you might get on your phone when your phone buzzes or anything like that oh, yeah. they have that in the headset so there's one of the games where you're walking through a forest and if a branch moves it feels like you kind of jump okay. back because you feel like you're going to get whacked in the face I could not get over the reality and that's the point because it's virtual reality but the quality of the games have gone up a notch and there's also more experiences because the first time it came out I was saying to Jaron Shane you know I played a Batman game or a Spider-Man game and you were in these sort of cartoony worlds particularly the kayak game it sounds and it feels and it looks so real and there's really clever technology built into not only the games but the headset as well so that no matter where I look, what I look at is in focus, but all this other stuff is in the peripheral vision. And the sounds, you can hear stuff from a distance coming behind you, or you can hear stuff approaching from the left. It's so, it's by far the most immersive virtual experience I've ever encountered. Um, And the good news is that there are hundreds of games in development for this, because that was part of the problem last time, was that there were a few big titles that you'd pay 80 quid for, And after that, then you're like, well, what am I spending the money on this headset for? But talking of money, it's expensive. That's let, Let's cut to the chase here. What sort of bunts are we talking? This is the, the one thing I'm thinking. I, I, I'm going to put, I have a figure in my head that's going to be well wrong. Go on, what, Go on, do you what are you think? thinking? It's about 1200 No. It is 599 99 That is dirt cheap. 
It Surely. is incredibly affordable. Some of the other VR headsets that are out there, um, like Meta unveiled their latest one last year and it's €1,700. Euro. So that's big money. This is an accessory for your PlayStation 5 and it's important to note that it only works with the PlayStation 5. That's what I was going to ask. So you, this on its own is no good to you? That on its own is no good to you. So how much is the PlayStation 5? It's another 600 quid. Oh, so I was right, 1200. 1200. So, yeah, sorry, I, I was kind of, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm only getting, yeah. And that's before you buy a game for it as well. Okay. So, and these titles will be pretty expensive. If you have some of the titles that, that are going to have updates for VR mode, some of them will do the VR update for free. Others, there may be an extra charge to get that VR experience. So it's going to be like an expensive enough endeavour. I have two questions. Go. Uh, presumably at some point you won't need the physical PlayStation. This will be enough. Potentially, like so, this is what some have already tried to do, like the Netflix of gaming, where you can just open a game on mm. your telly and then you're good to go. Mm. The issue is that the processing power for particularly the games that are so vivid, you do need to have okay. essentially like a computer and type processor. They're trying to make these as light as they can, so actually they'd be slightly. It's a seesaw. It was okay. an unhandle of it there. Uh, and the other one is the space thing is a real issue. I played um, about three years ago, possibly. I played um, would have been one of the first iterations of it, and I played the boxing thing. Yes. And I was at home, and you can imagine what happened. Yeah. I punched the wall, and it was incredibly sore. I'm pretty sure I did a bit of damage to my hand. Yeah. Uh, and that is the that is a lot of people's experience. So. What is the solution to the space thing? Yeah, it is. It's a tough one. They do say, and there are plenty of, uh, I suppose, safety reminders when you are playing these types of games. You'd want to have at least a two by two space. The safest way I found is to be sitting in a chair. So we have like an office chair similar to what you're in. Mm -hmm. And so you can sit there, you can move around, but you're not taking up the entire living room or whatever it is. That is a point of contention as I said I broke a glass while virtually kayaking um, so you do want to make sure that there's nothing in your direct sort of line of reach but that's why the cam- the, the space that, that's on the headset is so important to give you that field of vision or that sort of awareness sense of awareness as to what's around you um, you know I, I can see these being incredibly popular but I do think you need to take the, the, the safety side of things a little bit seriously Do we have any football games? Not as of yet that I'm aware of. Now, there are plenty of fitness-type games that, you know, involve you, like the kayaking one, um, but a lot of them are the big titles. So there's the Star Wars uh, Tales from Galaxy's Edge. There's the VR Mirage, um, Moss and Moss. There's Resident Evil Village. There's a whole ton of titles. And what they're trying to do is get the big hitters that are enticing people to buy the PS5, for example, Mm. and then adding the VR element. But I'd say it won't be long before we have more of the sporting titles well, coming in. Well, you need the paddles for your legs for the football. Potentially, potentially, yeah. And is there an age um, limit on who can use this? Well, no. Like, so I think the the terms and conditions would probably say that adult supervision is. Mm very important even for adults even for adults <laughs> I, I'm not joking you between the, the potential fear of damaging yourself by punching the wall but the this should actually be the inverse Jess your kids should actually supervise <laughs> this because right. they know better than uh, yeah. you it's like daddy you're making a show of yourself here that's the property Adrian's kids probably say that every yeah, day. They do that yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the key thing for me is the nausea and getting used to having things jumping out at you and sounds and all the rest because you know, it's very disconcerting. There's also a deadly thing on this that has eye tracking. So when you're setting up, I don't know if either of you use iPhone, but you know when you're setting up Face ID on iPhone, you have to move your head in a circle. 
the eye tracking on this, you move your eyes and it can track where your eyes are looking. That's nuts. So, for example, when something pops up, if text pops up on the screen, rather than you having to move your hand and click the button, you just look down to the left and then you click the button so it it can track exactly where you're looking to ensure that you are seeing and are engaging with the right thing as if you were in real life. So I've had this for about a week. It's not out until next week. I have been obsessed. And I think it's like, although it's more affordable than you might think, it's still a big investment. The games are going to be expensive, but I know that there are gamers who already have it pre-ordered and will be dying to get their hands on it. How many days of the week have you played it? Well, you see, because of the puke factor, I probably haven't used it as much as some people might think I have. Like I've done it, every day since we've had it, I've gone on for a few minutes um, and played different games just to try and get a sense of it. But as I said, around forty minutes. I'm puke kind of, threshold. It, that that is my puke threshold. Next Friday, what am I, what what game are you suggesting for me? I kind of want to see you doing the kayak. I'd do that, yeah. And I probably want to get you in sort of a, a combat situation. Mm. Uh, I, I, <laughs> combat situation, as in somebody kicking the crap out of me. Like. Yeah, or yeah. even one of those bow and arrow games, and just oh, yeah. maybe have you wet yourself live on air That's, when an uh, arrow comes all, out of nowhere. All possible. Thinking about the League of Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Jess, that was. Uh, it was a slot and I enjoyed it. Have you any more information about the people should go? And it's out, it's out next week? It's out next uh, on the 22nd. Uh, if you want a proper review, if you want an in-depth, knowledgeable review with none of this malarkey, you can find Tech Talk on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud or tune into News Talk tomorrow at 5pm where there will be an adults, in-depth review minus Adrian Barry, yeah, which is always a good scenario. There's more adults in the room. Jess, Pleasure as always. Thanks Thank a million. You. Look forward to next week. It is six minutes past nine. It's Friday morning's OTBM. You're watching us, uh, of course, every morning uh, with thanks to Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We have the Friday fire pit uh, still to come. Uh, we're going to take a clip of Jack Conan. We're going to take a clip of Jack Conan. It seems like we're going to take a Jack Conan. He was, uh, no, we're not taking a clip. That's, that's not happening. Uh, what are we doing? Here's what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio. Is that that's what we're doing? Yes, it is. OTB Gold, Life and Times of Johnny Caban from uh, 1 o'clock today. There'll be a crappy quiz at some point today as well, I believe. And there'll probably be a uh, football kickoff as well uh, coming your way before all of that. At 3 o'clock, it'll be Mount Rushmore. Meath uh, is the subject, so I mean... Easy come, easy go there. Liam Coyle is the Team 33 League of Ireland legend at four. And Emmanuel Petit. What a baller. At, I knew you were going to say oh, something. Like if, he, if he hadn't had an awful injury, he would have gone right to the top. I'm convinced of that. I mean right to the top of football. Um, six o'clock is OTB Gold. Liam Coyle, yeah. Somebody else's name. Uh, Emmanuel Petit. lost your train of thought. The, the, Liam Coyle and when I, when I was early days of me following League of Ireland, there were a couple of players where a lot of the time the football was tough. The pitches were bad as winter football. Um, it used to rain in Ireland back then. There were a couple of players that like you could be just this bleak Friday night and he would do something amazing. Tony Sheridan was one. Liam Coyle was certainly another. What a footballer. I'm, uh, I'm all for the League of Ireland showing it in wherever we can. You know that. Did you ever go to St Mel's? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like this is the this is the great sort of farce of people, including yourself, and I'm sure others, saying that I'm sort of anti-league. I used to, I was like in St Mel's every week. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, they were the days. Oh, but they were they were amazing days. Yeah, they were, yeah. Like, the team that, was, that was Larry I mean, Wise and Rod DeCores and for my time even Shane Kern would have been there latterly. Remember um, Shane? Yeah, what a character. O'Connor. Mm. Uh, Roddy would have been manager back in back in the day, but it would have been pre all of that. Saint Mel's definitely had um, 
I was a beauty. A beauty was, about was, it. Was, it was. A, it was an absolute ah, it was dump. dump. Yeah, it was yeah, a dump. Yeah. But I it went did to school have... next door, you see, so it was sort of handy. We'd been in and out a fair bit, and right. You'd be back down on a whatever it would have been Friday, Saturday night. AC Milan or like yes, but the where is beach? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's the famous <laughs> stories about AC Milan. The pictures and getting off the bus, <laughs> but but like it's like oh look at they are here they are getting off the pitch into the muck. I'd like all oh, these poor Italians and they're not, like that's what you had a to Gucci you literally cobbler. had to wade in and out of muck mm. going in and out of the ground every week. Give but me St. Mel's over. But I can still smell it and feel yeah. it. And it, was a thing, it was an absolute thing. You could literally reach out and touch the players when they were taking a throw in. You could smell the deep heat or whatever it was back then. With all due respect, that Lone Town is actually my local club where I'm from in East Galway. It's, it's, it's closer to me than Galway United, yeah. um, which is neither here nor there in some respects. But um, the progress that they've been making on the women's side of it, I do really, really hope that Lone uh, bounces back because um, you know the Midlands could do with it. And uh, yeah. it has a lot of potential, I think. Um, and yeah, the, the the progress they made last year on the women's side was quite amazing. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. What is it called, Friday Fire Pit? Friday Fire Pit. Friday Fire Pit. So we just put a bit more thought into dominating miserable the comments box this morning. You've got to call it like it is. It's Friday like what? The Friday Fire Pit. Fire pit, I do need to go to this one comment here on YouTube from GR saying, I've still got an old Game Boy. Can that handle VR? Has it got the processing power? I don't think so. What's the oldest uh, computer game you remember, Adrian? I had a ZX Spectrum, uh, 1 2 AK. What? Jeez, that's that? it. Yeah, exactly. I remember um, the yeah. Atari and Commodore 64. Yeah, it would have been around the same. It might have been a couple of years just before that. Commodore ZX, 64, ZX young man. You, you, you had you had a little a little sort of tape recorder type device yeah, okay. that you had to like load up. It was kind take of, about five minutes to load oh, up. Like, but it seemed it seemed like um, a lot longer than that in, in those days. And then you'd you just wait and I'd do whatever you would do for like twenty minutes, and then play your Commodore sixty four. Simpler times. Oftentimes you come back and it would have, it would have jammed at some point <laughs> along the middle of it, and you'd be like, oh, "Reload, start again." <laughs> Horace goes fishing, and Horace goes skiing, and Horace does all sorts of interesting things with the main games that we had. ZX Spectrum, yeah. Outrun. It's one of the big games. Outrun, yeah. I've played Outrun. Look up ZX Spectrum. YouTube playing ZX Spectrum. YouTube plays. In the afternoon at some point. Okay. So it's well worth it. I remember Winfield National School where everyone was like, we're getting a Sega Mega Drive for Christmas this year. And that when when I came home and I saw, I think it was Italian 90 was the game, was absolutely terrible, but I'd never seen anything like it. When I saw that on my TV at home, for the first time, I was—I've never been happier. Yeah. I think I peaked. Sonic us. was the big thing. Sonic, for the, yeah, for the, for um, the Mega Drive, yeah, Mega Drive, wasn't it? That was the yeah. big game changer. Um, a lot of people will be listening in, saying, "What the hell are they talking about?" And others will be. Well, uh, no, I kind of feel the same way. I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, Sonic "I'm so is, lost in this chat." But yeah. Sonic is like now suddenly like got great um, currency. Yeah, for kids, it's like mm. there's new Sonic movies coming out next month, sometime, something. There was one. My my young fella has Sonic pajamas. So I'm very familiar with the Sonic. resurgence of Sonic. Okay. I, I, um, the one thing I would be worried about is if they did have the chance, uh, you young kids, if they did have the chance when I was your age or younger to play against people literally around the world on your computer. Mm. I mean, I would never have been off it. Like that would have been just the coolest thing ever. So yeah. thankfully, I kind of abandoned computer games as I got older. The, I just uh, never se- be the series producer, we call him that, lofty, make him lofty talk series, oh, is telling you. us to, the slot needs to begin. I mean, the, I, I think the, the slot, I mean, the is, slot, the slot is underway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. But with you're going to drive this thing around, Cameron, so. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, a really way, clunky said way he's coming this way. Uh, so, yeah, it is the fire pit. So we thought we'd take something from the week that was and discuss it in full here. So uh, I think it's already put, put on the table today about 
the Ireland fans being kind of outsung by the French fans last weekend and just mm. yeah it, it made me think of a good discussion on um, just Irish fan culture generally I think uh, Jerry was on Wednesday Night Rugby Jerry Thornley and himself and Joe and Andy Dunn really went into like there is an anthropological study on why there's no chanting at um, there's no singing culture in GAA for instance at yeah, GAA games. the songs are crap they're like, terrible. Mayo, Mayo. We used to have the that's feel of Atten Rye now at Galway games. Really? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like Atten Rye is in Galway and it's a Galway song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, like, I was thinking about it because I met a few French fans over the weekend last weekend and they were in. You were using form. your like conversational French, obviously. To yeah, I'm a bit French, a, actually. Yes, you were. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was it able says to words speak. In a French accent. Well, I'm sold. And they, <laughs> and they go, "Oh, you speak French in French?" And I go, "I, I certainly I just, do." You have an accent. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, hello, I am Cameron. Um, Awe. Awe, sister. But um, I yeah. So I was talking to them, and even in defeat, they are brilliant crack. And I know Jerry Thornley mentions this. Uh, I was at a few top 14 games last year and was at the Champions Cup final in Marseille with the La Rochelle fans. And I was blown away by just how passionate they are and how mm. they're so willing to incorporate you into their big sea of yellow. Um, Which you were obviously delighted to do. Uh, yes. as a, Given who they were playing. Given who they were playing, exactly. But I was just... It, it was so much more engaging than when I've gone to games at the RDS or the Aviva or even sometimes, dare I say, at the sports ground. I find the communal aspect of going to those games leaves a little bit to be desired. And maybe that's just my weird definition of what a fan is. Maybe I mm. literally think you're not a fan unless you sing. So you mentioned the sports ground. Like, how many people of any history are going to rugby games in Galway, for example? Like, it just it wasn't a thing. Like so, yeah. the sports ground came along, and like a lot of rugby games are basically a piss up. Like they are. The RDS is Leinster always win by about. 50. But you say it wasn't a thing. But you're, you'd say the same about your own specialist topic at a certain point. Like league, Galway Rovers have been in the league for the goes to fifty years. Yeah, but like so not how many that many people, people, how many people were going? To, maybe a couple of thousand or a thousand yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But like Connacht rugby wasn't a thing. So it doesn't have a history of like people like who are the Connacht ultras like. Well, like there was no no rugby here was a thing like mm. professional rugby up to yeah that's yeah, yeah. twenty five years ago yeah. Sorry, the teams existed. They just they weren't what they are now. Like I I'd love to know what AIL fans make of it all that, that that they I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's that's I think that's the great anomaly in all this. Let, let's let's pass to, it over because we we we're talking a lot here. Well, if you go to um, AIL games, they're brilliant. Are Everyone they? gets behind their team. I went mm. to Terenure Clontarf a few weeks ago which is a real top of the table clash in Terenure and it was brilliant real electricity there's about 3,000 people around Lakelands wow. which is just and like there's no stand in Lakelands it's just um, the area around the pitch and the atmosphere was cracking and there was a real real old school grassroots type vibe to it where you know you're giving the hooker crap when he's trying to throw in and said oh don't make a crooked this time mate come on come on you're boring me um, and that's brilliant have you been to an AIL game? Uh, yeah, I've been to a couple. And I agree with Cameron, they are actually a good crack. But I think part of it as well is that because like, they are kind of a smaller crowd, you tend to stick with your own set of fans. And this mm. is something that I was talking about earlier. Like, in, say, in the Women's Super League, there's no like away end. And I think it always takes away from the atmosphere because you get fans mixed in together. And rather than you know singing or chanting starting from one specific area... 
you just kind of have it like bitty here and there. And I think sometimes like Irish games kind of suffer from that as well with the rugby because you don't really have like a, a set group that are going to start leading chants or they're going to start, you know, making a bit of atmosphere and then everyone joins in and it kind of, it's a bit of a domino effect to the whole thing. Nice, like if you go to the, like going to G, so there's there's a there's a novelty in the uh, uniqueness to it and there's something sort of nice about that. And definitely going to GEA games, you end up, in all sorts of conversations with people around you because they're from different teams. Sometimes they get obviously spill over the line a little bit. But like you don't have the same threat of the reason that they initially brought in um segregation of fans to begin with, as in, you know, they're gonna kill each other. Um so is what's your feeling? Is it is that the future for WSL or I think so. I think it has improved the atmosphere ma- massively. Like United oh. were trialing it um this season and it just added that extra bit of like grit to the games and I think because especially with something like the WSL which is probably like developing an audience and it's bringing people into football who maybe wouldn't necessarily always watch football or wouldn't know all the chants from watching the Premier League or whatever it is there's a bit more of a community vibe to it like I do get the we should we need to separate some sets of fans because they are going to kill each other but that's more of a, a fan problem and a culture problem than a let's try and build an atmosphere through it problem I think yeah, I just find it very odd that it's like, I was talking in the taxi on the way home uh, last night with uh, the taxi driver about this very topic, and I said, it's actually really bizarre when I think about it, that when you really boil it down, Green and Red and Mayo is made to be sung at these types of games. You'll never hear it mm. chanted. It's a bit of too much of a ballad. I don't know. You, you could can't definitely, imagine you could definitely people in the stands. You could def- I could definitely see that. And the irony is... They're not like the Welsh a- rugby fans. But, like, it's gas that... If you go to a house party in Mayo, that's one of the first things that'll be on the spot. Really? Jesus, that yeah. is grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House parties in Mayo. This is what's happening in Mayo. This, yeah, You're going to the green and red of Mayo. Well, yeah, we, really? it'll come on at some point once wow. everybody's fairly on and it's like, well, we'll, we'll stick that's this on. Mayo, everyone your- joins in because wow. it is a kind of... That's grim, Cameron. There's a slow rousing. What sort of house parties have you got? I feel it's obviously more of a not the right one. I think that's Gosh. that strange a thing, though. Like, yeah. it's Clare Island, Clare Island's a better old tune. Than Mayo. Clare it's Island's like a nice. The Westmead Bachelor going on like at a house party in Atlone. It's like, it's not <laughs> but like if those people have like an emotional connection to the song. Like it's, it's the sort of thing that gets sung at matches. If you're on a night out in Dublin or you're in college in Galway or something, and the song comes on, like you have that little bit of ownership over it. So I don't think it's that strange. It's like, I don't know. You're from Dublin and the Owl Triangle or something. Yeah. yeah. The, the, these like I can't count the amount of times I've been at house parties and people from Dublin start singing the Owl Triangle. But that's a credible folk song. Or like Hills Green of Donegal as well. Is some old sh- like well, Oof. funnily enough, the Fields of Athen Roy did break out a few times Saturday, but it was like, so to my left were like, Alele Blue, Alele Blue. And then when the Fields of Athen Roy broke out, it was kind of like, <laughs> it's like yeah, I don't really in, want in to be seen sense, but it was like isn't very rousing. I think a great summation of the French fans of the weekend I watched the game in O'Donoghue's and it was like mostly an Irish crowd there was one table of French lads there's like six or seven of them maybe the Marseille started playing and they like gave us a rousing edition it was great like I want to stand up and give them a clap and then the two Irish anthems started playing and literally no one uttered a word yeah. and they were looking around so confused and then when uh, watch Macaulay not Aronavi and Ireland's Call Ireland's. started playing they just stood up and sang it themselves for us mm. and I was just like yeah. this is kind of ridiculous that the French fans are there singing our national well we, we, national we have anthem, a big problem here our, our national anthem is 
terrible. Like I, 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 I'm into national anthems. Aranavin is one of the worst national anthems known to man. It's not from a, it's so, not a musical rousing. point of view. From musical. Also, if we are committed to a unification in this island, which I hope we are, we need to change the lyrics. I think because they're you know they're a little bit too uh, militaristic. But in terms of the actual jingo of it, it's crap. It's absolutely terrible. Compare that to the Welsh national anthem or Flower Scotland or Le Marseillaise or the Italian anthem or even God Save the Queen, which is it's quite crap. Quirky makes a very good point here on YouTube. Quirky. 1980. Good morning to you. I find crowd engagement has slowly declined as more and more of the crowd are on their phones. Yes, 100%. Probably not a bad point. 100%. Have we any more topics to get to? Um... No, I like I like this. I, <laughs> okay, let's I, talk about this. I'm staying on this. It, it's, it's 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 important. The because this is the idea of the environment. We're it's, talking about yeah. the, your experiences yeah, of uh, if you bring kids to a game. My my so, my memories of going to like um, going United games as a kid. A lot of them are about the noise and the atmosphere. I almost remember that more than the goals. And the, the atmosphere of the game sticks with you, and it really does rouse you. And if you go to a game, or and I've made this point about race meetings as well. Now, if you go to a race meeting and nobody's cheering home the winner, why don't you watch? it at home what's the difference like and I think atmosphere at a sporting events is the, is partly the reason one of the massive reasons why we do it mm. I Qu- think question for the room what's the best sporting atmosphere then that you've ever been in like a match that you were like wow this is what sport is about I'd say Stade de France last year um, and that's that's one of the, the one things I just can't square is that Irish fans away are brilliant like really get into it really are mm. part of the scene um, I know, but, but you, sorry, and, uh, you, you get into a mode where we're telling people how to behave, and I think that's we were no, talking uh, about it the other week with the phone, with yeah. the, taking the pictures of LeBron stuff. I feel sort of the same way that I do think you can help affect fan culture, but I do think think I also think there's a slight weirdness to telling people how to behave at a stadium. Joe Canning's All Ireland goal against Kilkenny. Um, I don't think I've ever heard noise like it anywhere. Okay, um, just uh, everything about the goal, and I thought Joe's Lear Gale was. Incredible TV, but uh, that goal was shown again. And I think uh, an All Ireland hurling final or 80,000 people in Crow Park for hurling is probably very hard to beat, even including Galatasaray. Katie's uh, 2012 fight in London for me, mm. I think, is. Mm. I haven't done any great uh, qualitative thought process on this, Kathleen. Mm. But well, I'm, it I'm broke the record, there, didn't it? For, for uh, loudest uh, ever. For everybody crash. leaving with tinnitus, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, it's just exceptional for all, like, it was just the tenseness of it. I think you do need that, like, you can't, you know, uh, uh, run it, let's, I mean, look, run it, it wasn't quite a run in the middle Six Nations game, but, like, it's, you know, you get one of them every two years in Dublin and they happen. But a fight like that, where there's just the anticipation, the expectation, the the desire from every Irish person in the, um, what, what was it called, the, Chocolate, no, the something box arena or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, it's been renamed since. Um, just the desire from everybody there, mm. the investment in the outcome was just I've never seen anything quite like it. Here's just one that'd that be interesting, right? So, the Bob Dylan gig in let's get Kathleen's answer first. Well, see, this is why I asked it because I actually don't think I've ever been in an atmosphere where I've been like, this is insane. I think maybe I was at the Euros final last summer. Um, I covered it. And I had like a moment where the teams were lining out. The crowd swelled. And like it was Wembley packed out stadium. And I felt like emotional for a second because I was like, I actually never thought I was going to get to a game. And like I'd covered the whole Euros at that stage. And I was watching women play sport. And that for me was just like a real shiver moment. Like I got goosebumps. But that wasn't necessarily because of the crowd or the atmosphere. That was just because of the momentous occasion. So you haven't heard that really amazing noise at it where you're like, oh No, my God. I haven't had the proper, like, you know, kick in the stomach. This is an 
insane crowd. I'd love to go to a game in Germany. I think that's like go to like or go to a game in Greece or go to like Turkey. Sorry for, before I interrupted the Bob Dylan gig that I was at last year. No phones. Tommy Tiernan has gone. No oh, phones. Oh yeah, Imagine it's if like they brought a, that in at sporting events. No phones. They, you, you, put, your phone you put your phone into a bag into or a something, couch and yeah, you just. Ah, but he's a cranky bollocks. Bob anyway. Dylan. Yeah, like he he you he came out. Was it that gig or a different gig? He came out and he went. It must have been a different gig because it was phones at it. And he turned the lights off on the stage and put them on the crowd and said, right, you're you're not here to, uh, what was it? You're not here to video me. I'm here to play music. I'm like, I'm the, I'm a kind huge Bob Dylan fan. Wants, I yeah. just think, no, I just think it's yeah. bullshit. If you're going to put on a concert, don't tell people how to behave at the concert. Let them come and enjoy the experience in the way that they've paid to come and enjoy it. Well, it's funny. It's not that, up to you to decide. That, that texture, yeah, that texture about phones, like, you know, um, it's funny now... Tourism and going on holiday is basically about going to another part of the world to see people on their phone. That's sadly the reality of it. Everywhere you go now, everyone's on their phone. Yeah, but like, but but I look, I I definitely have an issue with telling people how. They, I felt the same about the LeBron thing the other week. Mm. People want to get the phones out and take the picture. Good luck to you. Like, yeah, I, I saw your clip from that. Yeah, I I'm I'm with uh, I'm with Shane Hannah. But you don't 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 tell other people what, what how they should behave at the Absolutely. game. Absolutely, absolutely, you do. Like uh. you, you're entitled to disagree <laughs> with. What they do, and it might not be for you. You defended, let them, you let defended the girl it. blocking the guy behind I didn't her. quite because defend it. I was trying to be. I was trying to be. It's the, the As photo, you probably for anybody who's ever been sure there. Photographing the line out when it's, when it's close to you. It's, it's, I feel if I'm at a rugby game and I've been to plenty and a line out is happening close to me, I'm like. I just can't resist the temptation to get in the phone. You're a disgrace. Like, oh you're, you're a disgrace for, for a man of your age. You go through disgrace. my photo reel there, you'll find every second photograph is a line out. We have a great comment in here from a, a regular listener, uh, Mr. Shane Hannan, on the YouTube, name? being like, more unpatriotic nonsense. Put some respect on Ron Naveen. Shane from Monaghan, en route to Antrim. Big fan of the show. Thumbs up. Well, at least he hasn't <laughs> mentioned uh, Malachi Rourke, so that's. Um... Yeah. <laughs> but you just did, so you've just done oh, the job true, for him now. True. He's going to be absolutely delighted. Yeah, He's definitely smiling it. away to himself in the car right Game. now. He wins. Um, so you've never been to an atmosphere that you felt. Mm. And is that just because you're engaged with the game? I find if you. like, There are games where I've been like totally enthralled, and I can't tell you anything about what the atmosphere was like. Yeah, no, I don't think it's that. I just think maybe I probably haven't gone to enough games as well. Like, I'm probably new enough to the game going. Like, when I was growing up, it wasn't a big thing. Like, my dad and I would always watch sport together, but we wouldn't necessarily, like, travel to go see the Premier League or any of that sort of thing. Um, So I probably just haven't been to enough big games to really feel like this is a momentous thing. And my other thing as well is that, like, the teams I support... A lot of my friends don't watch sport or aren't interested in sport. So when I do go to things, I'm kind of going by myself mm. or else yeah. I'm going with people who aren't all that interested and are kind of just there for the crack, which is like, fair enough. Do your thing. I don't care about that. But you're probably just not getting that whole proper, you know, match day experience, the build up. And a lot of the time, I probably find I get better atmospheres if I'm watching it with like a crowd of fans in a pub or like, in a, in a house or something yep. I probably have better actually, experiences yeah, yeah. then like my mum <laughs> used to do this thing during the Six Nations one of their like very good friends at home um, is from England so whenever the Six Nations would come around and Ireland were playing England we they'd all come round to our house and she we had this like big chair and she'd decorate it with loads of like England flags and like hang little ribbons off it and stuff and force Will to sit in it for the entire thing <laughs> while the, everyone else around them was shouting for Ireland and he would just sit in this massive throne in the middle of our house which is quite funny because my parents are from the north and are they? Of the 
Republican persuasion, so it was entertaining <laughs> for everyone involved. Republican persuasion, Eamon, I like uh, that. Eamon O'Lein on YouTube says, best atmosphere ever was Croke Park 2007, Ireland against England, been to most stadiums globally and nothing compared to that. The noise, the passion yeah. of the history was like a stadium yeah. when uh, went to war. The, do you know, I, w- I was at the game and I would say that that's all true, but it was the lack of noise around the anthems, yeah. just the respect. Um, yeah. with the, the silence how respectfully it the was power handled. of silence that was one yeah. of the most iconic yeah. I've lost yeah. it somewhere here but someone commented earlier that atmosphere isn't just about singing which is a good point Absolutely. as well yeah no that's it and maybe that's just my narrow definition of what a good fan is I feel like that's probably you know part of it is that I'm like I can't like, wait, like why aren't you singing yeah I, I was like that when I was younger and I guess as you do get older like Adrian has alluded to you're more inclined to like give out about the fellas standing in front of you now yeah. Mm. Old man. a lot of this stuff taps back into like telling other people what to do it's like I just we have a bizarre obsession with how other people go and enjoy the game on your own terms mm, yeah yeah that would be, be, that be that's yeah. a hill I'm willing to pass out on yeah, yeah that's well like I get kind of annoyed when say people are talking and I know you guys mentioned it at the top of the show about the rugby and the fact that there's a lot of people there who might not necessarily be like all time rugby fans and I'm like, it's kind of fair enough if they want to go. Like, there are plenty of other solutions, aka not pricing people out of it, or mm. you know, I don't know, putting tickets to clubs a bit more rather than general release. If you want to maybe make sure that fans, proper fan, proper fans, don't even like that word, but like fans who watch every single game of rugby actually get tickets. I hate this whole sort of notion of rugby has done a very good job at marketing itself to a larger audience and people who maybe only watch the Six Nations or only watch the Champions Cup final or whatever, that they're not entitled to go and enjoy the game in the way they want to enjoy it, whether that's just, you know, having a couple of pints, going to the match, like meeting friends afterwards. That's fine. Like, I think there is something very hoity-toity, like looking down your nose on those sort of fans, and I don't think that's fair. Question for the three of you, right? What percentage of Irish supporters at the game Saturday understand the rules of rugby? But that's, I think, Kathleen's point. That's none of your business. Like, who cares? It's interesting. Like, you go to a game, I I would be of the the percentage who do not fully understand the rules of rugby and never have. But I think the same. You know, it's a really interesting point, and I think that the same. If you stood outside Crow Park on Ireland Final Day and asked people going in, name two, three players from either side, you get a whole pile of people who just can't. Because they're there for the event or whatever, and but they're no less entitled to be at the match than anybody else. Like I, 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 I think that's absolutely wrong. How how you marry the people who've been at the McGrath Cup games or the FBD League or whatever with making sure that that team then gets that doesn't seem like an overly complex issue. Nor is it an especially uh, big. You're not dealing with a huge number of people. Like, mm. you go to a bloody National League match, never mind about FBD League or McGrath Cup, and you won't get a whole mm. pile of people at it. It would be very easy to be able to, in a GA context, say you were at three games in the league or you were at two McGrath Cup games, whatever it might be, so you're going to get first dibs on these pile of tickets. You wouldn't be dealing with a huge number of people, which would address that thing. I actually don't think it would overly address the broader issue about atmospheres at mm. games and stuff, because yeah. those people are... Like, you know, There's also something AI really things. nice about bringing someone along to a sport who might not be all that interested mm. in it and like showing it to them and explaining the rules if they don't understand it. Like mm. As I said before, a lot of my friends don't watch sport, but like they come along to games with me and it's nice explaining to them like, oh, that everyone's cheering for them because they're like the best player or this is what's happening here. It's a very different match day experience, but I don't think it should be discounted as like a bad one or one that... No, no. Is it, uh, if you yeah. ex- extend out Johnny's question about Bob Dylan and say, 
all right, like, you know, how much Bob Dylan have you listened to the last six months? Yeah, mm. yeah. Although, that's, that's, yeah. that's not, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a that's the, I'm not even a massive Dylan fan, so there we go. The gatekeeping drives me insane. Mm. I really find that very frustrating. It's like, that could be the thing that actually ignites your passion. If you're yeah. in, an, in a crowd and you're allowed to enjoy it your own way, if someone's going, well, you know, what do you know? And asking for your tactical insight. And do you really understand what happened there? That really annoys me. Um, yeah, I guess we, we really haven't solved how to solve that. I don't think we're ever going to solve anything with the no, I think, but yeah. it's, um, it's worth doing nevertheless. Uh, I did want to mention, we're not going to get into it, but the Netflix documentaries, yes. um, I'm going to keep that topic on the agenda. Kathleen doesn't want to talk about it, so I'm going to keep it on the agenda. Right, we can Friday. fight about it and another Kathleen day. can put a strike through on it on the running order, which is totally fair. Um, I gave the swing, full swing, what's it called? Full swing. Um, I go during the week and I watch the first two episodes. Halfway through the first episode, I thought, right, that's it. I'm uh, I'm out here. Turn this off. I I kept with it. And I initially put the topic in by way of there are too many flying the wall documentaries out there. I take it back. It's uh, well worth watching. Yeah. Nathan said something very different yesterday morning. Well, you see, he's a golf geek. I'm like a chewing gum fan. I am one of the people we've just been discussing. I'd have no, I've I've no um, desire to watch. The men takeaway is that you're listening to the Green Red Mayo at house parties. But well done. Um, thanks, William, for coming in. Cameron, thank you. Very Kathleen, much. Thank you. Johnny, no pleasure as always. We shoehorned in loads of League of Ireland chat there this morning. You must be happy with that. Not sure about that. 9.35. We we're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.